0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for uh, another afternoon here in the Peg. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And uh, we got a fun show planned for you. Of course, we're looking forward to the draft at the end of June and the Memorial Cup on the weekend, as well as a little bit of an update on the uh, previous selected Winnipeg Jets players and how they've done this year. No better person to join us to discuss all of that than Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. Scott's coming up in ah, 25 minutes or so on the show, and we'll have Brandon Rewiki. Um, Very much looking forward to having Rue back on the program, get his take on the playoffs, and... Paul Maurice going to the Stanley Cup final with the Florida Panthers. Of course, that's the big story in the National Hockey League after the sweep was completed last night down in South Florida. And the eighth-seeded Panthers sweep their way to the Stanley Cup final. Talk about that as well as some of the Winnipeg Jets topics around the offseason with Brandon. And then a little later on, it's been a minute since we've had our good friend, Mo Khan, a WST favorite on the program. But um, Mo's been calling C E B L games for the last couple of years. And we thought with the Bears beginning their existence on Saturday night with their big home opener at Canada Life Centre, we get a little primer on the CEBL overall and a great reason to get Mo back on the program. So he'll do that and join us in the second hour of the show. So uh, lots to get to with you should be a great one thanks to everyone that's with us if you haven't already you're watching us on youtube hit that red subscribe button and while you're at it give us a thumbs up for the episode and a big shout out to everybody listening on the podcast as well of course if you haven't subscribed to the podcast go wherever you get your favorite podcasts And just put in Winnipeg Sports Talk and hit that subscribe button. Listen, just before we bring in Michael Remus to get things going, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, our friends at Assinavoy Downs, and the Gold who are actually playing right now with that early school day game today. Modern Man, AquaTech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Nick & Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Consolidated Supply, BP, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Country Club, Aikens Lake, and, of course, the great taste of Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Uh, Let's get after it. Michael Remus, get in here. What's going on?
2: Just uh, enjoying watching all the celebration videos and stuff from last night's Florida Panthers win. That's right. Paul Maurice headed back to the Stanley Cup final, Hustler. So uh, how exciting is that? Uh, Who would have thought former Winnipeg Jets head coach uh, Scott Billick at the tweet: Walking out of the Jets organization and into the Cup final. Congratulations to him and former Jets assistant coach Jamie Compan as well on the bench last night for that uh, awesome Game Four sweep.
1: Yeah, B- Billick is not shy. He has tweeted numerous times. In fact, anytime the Panthers are mentioned, it's. Paul Maurice walked out on the Winnipeg Jets and is now walking into the Stanley he's, Cup final. He's did a couple times. <laughs> well, the, whenever you quote tweet yourself and say the same thing in, you know you're really emphasizing a point. And, uh, hey, listen, it is a big part of the story. I mean, Paul Maurice's journey to get to the Stanley Cup final um, is... I mean, it's incredible. Everything about this run of the Florida Panthers, I think, is bananas. Um, this is a team that was... A President's Trophy winning team last year, and um, they made massive changes in the offseason. Bill Zito, who's up for General Manager of the Year, along with Jim Dill and Don Sweeney, um, made one of the most aggressive trades we've seen in the NHL in a long, long time, trading a star player, a longtime Panther, and Jonathan Huberto, and a top young defenseman, Mackenzie Weger, and a pick to Calgary to get Matthew Kachuk and this this run right now is exactly why they want wanted Matthew Kachuk. And listen, we can do, you know, a redraft of uh, the 2016 draft to see where Kachuk would go. I mean, there's an argument. There's some people that would take him number 1 frankly over Austin Matthews with what he's going on right now. Even if you will give Matthews and his 60 goals the number 1 spot, hard not to imagine Kachuk leaping over the likes of Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois into that number two hole for the draft. Um, but man, the guy, he's such an impact player in so many ways throughout the season. But now in the playoffs, room, we're seeing every single aspect of what Matthew Kachuk brings, what makes opposing fans absolutely hate the guy's guts. But my God, is he clutch. And um, he already had the two OT winners at the start of the series. And last night, there he was scoring the winner with four seconds left to break a tie. And um, listen, we'll get to the Canes in a minute and uh, their hard luck story. But um, uh, listen, Kachuk, Bob, Pomo, uh, there's a magic going on right now in South Florida. And we'll see if that magic continues after what we expect to be a pretty lengthy layoff before the Stanley Cup final
2: gets going. Yeah, um, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, he's... A player, the you know, second uh, leading scorer from the 2016 draft, behind Austin Matthews, and I do wonder if you would take him number one. I, you know, Bill Zito was nominated, it was announced yesterday for GM of the Year, and I can't imagine how difficult it would be, and I don't think a lot of GMs in the league would pull this pull off this trade they did last year, where you're trading a franchise player who just had a career high in points in Jonathan Huberdeau. You're trading your number two defensive McKenzie Weger. You're trading a first-round pick after already trading away two. Um, I don't think anyone would would do this trade, but he identified Matthew Kachuk as a difference maker, as a superstar. And he certainly paid off with three game-winning goals. And I think we can say that, you know, the Panthers, throughout the season, they were out of a playoff spot. We were kind of laughing at how they give away so, so many picks. Um, you know, maybe at their choice, you know, switching up the head coach. When Andrew Brunette, you know, had done such a great job last year, but they're in the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, they they made it and they have a chance to win it all. And I give full credit to Bill Zito because I can I'm sure that was an extremely extremely I mean tough decision. A lot of teams would just go with status quo after such a great season. Be like, ah, you know what? We got unlucky in the playoffs. We won the President's Trophy. He said, no, this isn't good enough. He made changes. They weren't good enough in the in the regular season, but in the postseason, they've dominated everyone. What They had beat the Leafs in, you know, in five games, they just swept Carolina, Boston, you won four, what, uh, sorry, three in a row. You were down three, one. And then you, then you went, I mean, what an incredible playoff. So full credit, full credit to them. And yeah, they are writing Bob Rowski, who's living up to that contract, but you see how they play. And, you know, a guy like Sam Bennett, who's, you know, pissed everyone off all playoffs, making an impact. And, uh, all oh, these, like, Brad Kogutis, you know, making that. an impact. They got guys playing hard in the playoffs here. Um, so credit to them. But that that trade, we'll be talking about that trade even more than uh, than we have been. And imagine being Jonathan Huberto uh, right now oh. or Mackenzie Wieger. I mean, I don't think they get there with, with those guys in the lineup. But uh, I don't know how you, like, well, it's, it's, it's going to be a weird feeling. Chuck.
1: They don't get there without control. No, I think we know that. And yeah. um, you know, what that was the price that had to be paid. And you know, again, it's just wild even when you go back to a year ago. I mean, that deal was made with Brad Treleving. They signed those guys to extension. Treleving is now out and may very well be the coach or the uh, the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were eliminated by the Florida Panthers, who basically got in on the last day of the regular season, thanks to And I sent this to you before. We talked about that Mm -hmm. crazy game where Pittsburgh somehow all they needed to do was beat the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, they lost at home to one of the worst teams in the league, which gave Anaheim the inside track on Connor Bedard. That goal, Buddy Robinson, former Manitoba Moose, (laughs) Buddy (laughs) Robinson scoring the goal. And Florida gets in, and they have not looked back. First team ever is an eight seed to hold two separate three nothing leads in the same playoffs, um, and they got it done last night, sweeping the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. And um, you know, you know, like Florida gets in because of Pittsburgh losing. Pittsburgh fires everybody, and now ironically, Pittsburgh takes out Toronto, or sorry, Florida takes out Toronto in round two all the chaos that's followed in Toronto. And it could be Kyle Dubas, the Leafs GM that ends up as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins who could have been playing in the playoffs. Had they just beat the Blackhawks Uh, crazy how those things work.
2: Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of uh, box scores on Twitter of that game where Chicago, who was terrible, beat Pittsburgh to keep them out of the playoffs and let Florida get in. As you said, highlights of the goal. I think there's other goals that I've seen highlights of from that game. What a, legendary game that, you talked about this yesterday, Mike, that changed NHL history. You're wondering what could have been. But uh, credit, you know, credit to the Florida Panthers. Major 96 vibes here with the hot goalie, the rats on the ice. You know, people, for, people are forgetting that about, you know, why the rats are thrown on. Because, what, Scott Mellonby killed a rat in, in the dressing room in 1996, and it's still going. So I do, I do love that. And, I you know, I did enjoy seeing Keith Kachuk. Um, celebrating as well uh, in the stands. So, I'm, you know, what a, you know, if you're covering the Stanley Cup final, what a dream series it could be between Vegas and Florida. I see waiters in the, the chat saying, Will Hustler
1: criticize Brindamore for his delusional post game comments? Um, I'm not going to get on Rod Brindamore for that. I mean, listen, I feel for Rod Brindamore. I, I think that. Um, he was exactly right. I mean, you have to like, those guys are going back and he's looking in the mirror going, what the hell else did we need to do to even win a damn game? I mean, they lost a four overtime game with their goalie standing on their head. They lost another overtime game. And I I knew that they were not going to quit last night. I mean, they were down to nothing early. A lot of other teams, uh, including, unfortunately the one that we follow here in Winnipeg, I don't think had that pushback, if you will, to get back in the game. And, I mean, they tied the game late. It looked like it was going to overtime again. And then Matthew Kachuk was the difference maker. I mean, I, uh, I feel for Carolina. Um, I think they deserved a better fate. I'm not necessarily winning the series, but when we talk about sweeps, I don't know about you, Remo, but I'll actually back Rod Brindamore. That was not your run of the mill playoff sweep in the NHL. That was four four of the closest games you could possibly have that somehow all went the Panthers way. And, uh,
2: as they say, everything's coming up Palmaris right now. I actually I agree with you. Um, I think Arda Ocal tweeted this. There's been what four sweeps, four series in NHL history that were a sweep, where every game was a one goal game. Sorry, sixth time in NHL history, which was a sweep where every game was a one goal. Was one the goal Ducks? It was the Jets Ducks series. One of those. No, but there was a. Let's see. There was what a 2018 Vegas series. I think it was the first round against LA. I looked it up because it wasn't against the wasn't against the Jets. 2003 Anaheim, 99 Dallas, 93 Montreal, 68 Montreal. Um, for Carolina, I think a lot of people picked Islanders to upset them in the first round. Oh, they're missing Svechnikov. They're missing Patcher, Tara Vinan gets injured, and they you know push through. You know, you thought upstart Devils were going to beat them. They they beat the Devils. Um, You know, what was it, six games? And last night, like, Jacob Slavin, one of their top defensemen, they have so many defensemen, like, who's who's the top one? Is it Burns or, or Slavin? Take your pick. He gets out. And then, what, Burns take the slapper, hits Marty Natchez in the in the leg, and he gets carried off. They showed Rod Brindamore on the bench, Us, He looked like he was going to cry. He's like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do here? You know, our, we're already missing all these guys. You know, Vina came back. I don't know if he was necessarily 100%. Um, you lost your top D on a brutal hit by Sam Bennett, which was was clean. As much as it pains me to say, after he you know pulled pulled off the wrestling moves on the Maple Leafs, <laughs> that I mean that was a devastating hit on Slavin, and hopefully he's that was okay.
1: A, the rock bottom he did in the uh, in the Toronto series yeah. that was more like a uh, an edge spear. If you will, I mean, he basically just went right through Slavin. I mean, as hard yeah. but as clean a check you'll see, it, and and
2: that's kind of a trademark of what Florida's doing right yes. now. Yes, I will say that it also kind of reminds me of a clean, clean version of the Mark Shafley hit on Jake Evans with a guy coming around the clean net,
1: version. and
2: another guy. I, I look, you look at the speed he was. I don't know if he took a you no. Know, was look, at, he came in with speed. It wasn't charging, but he came in with a lot of speed and just put the guy on his ass with a clean hit. Um, and, you know, like, look at this Florida team. I mean, I I lost my train of thought here, but they're pretty incredible what they're doing but for, for Carolina. Every game is a one goal game. You got goalied. You lost a four overtime game. I mean, they, they were right there. I don't think those comments are delusional at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Hey, uh, was Florida the better team? Absolutely. Yes. Um, but was it incredibly tight series that went four games? Yeah, it was. Um, that being said, the Panthers are on. And listen, credit where credit is due. Bill Zito, for his hiring of Paul Maurice, that was heavily criticized throughout the year, especially when the Panthers were struggling. Um, and Maurice said, I, I was listening to a clip of Maurice's introductory press conference last summer. And Mike Kelly, who is one of, one of the guys I respect the most in uh, in the business as far as his analysis of the way teams play, Um, he basically said he's taking on a president's trophy team that was not built to win in the playoffs. And the Stanley Cup playoffs are a different beast than the regular season. And that is why they brought Paul Maurice in. And it broke down the differences from the way that the Panthers played last year to playing this year. And, you know, as great as Kachuk and Bobrovsky's been, it was sort of singling out Paul Maurice for some credit in the work that's been done to get them to where they are. And two of the things that they did, uh, fewer, about as little as any team in the league last year, was dump the puck in and dump the puck out. And um, right now, they've gone from like 30th in the league for dump-ins to about 12th or 11th in the league. And, uh, and far more in the dump-outs as well, which is, at the end of the day, making the smart play, not doing too much, not getting QQ'd. Because, listen, the Panthers were able to score with the best of them last year, but, unfortunately, you can get into those habits that don't cut it come playoff time, playing against the best teams in the league. And, uh, you know, they seem to have been built throughout the year. And, listen, they dodged some bullets, and some would say they were very fortunate even to be in the playoffs, but once they got there... The style of play that Maurice has been preaching and has been getting the buy-in from that roster top to bottom is now paying dividends right now.
2: And I said this earlier in the playoffs. It really reminds me. Uh, remember the Jets played the Oilers in that sweep? And they were playing physical. They were all over them. Um, you know, Pionk was all over McDavid. Who was the coach of that team? Paul Maurice. But for, you know, the Jets weren't able to keep up that style uh, when they played Montreal. I don't know what it was, you know, if, even this year with the Jets. You know, what they played great, you know, played the bonus style for the first half of the season then really had a big lull. Florida's kept their foot on the gas the whole series. And that is one thing that does remind me of Paul Maurice. Maybe I'm wrong, Hustler, on that one. But, uh, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing a sweep. Every game is a one-goal game. The goalie stands on his head. Was that not the blueprint for the Jets sweeping <laughs> the Oilers? Pretty close, pretty close. <laughs> um, the one thing
1: I'll say about about the Panthers and the way that they play and how it ties into Maurice is that they've got some Maurice-type players. I mean, let's face it, he's loving having Sam Bennett on his team. And as much as he said all that stuff about Kachuk when he was a member of the Flames and knocked Shifley out, I mean, he dreamed. I, I'm sure a big reason why he wanted to come there was to have a guy like Matthew Kachuk on his team that really creates the culture in that room and on the ice. I mean, you have got an incredible two-way center, one of the best in the league in Barkov. But the other guys, Verhage, and then their blue line with, you know, wackos like Gudis. I mean, they can be physical. They will make you play. And once they bought into this style of, you know, we are going to dump the puck in a little bit more. We are going to go in and we are going to win more battles than the other team. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's a, a, a stat on that, Remo, but just basically the the your your success in winning those puck battles um that might be the biggest stat or biggest analytic number right now when it comes to winning in the playoffs right now because it really does come down to a battle of will in a lot of cases between teams that have already proved themselves playoff ready when you get to this point in the uh, in the standings and uh Tell you what, um, I think it's pretty clear and probably a big part of the frustrations that Maurice had. And let's face it, Rick Bonas had these same things go on in the second half of this year was the inability for any coach to really get the sort of buy-in from the players that they needed to have buy in here in Winnipeg to do the type of things that the Florida Panthers are doing right now. And now listen, are this, is this jets team? Do they have those sorts of players that can play that style? Certainly that can be debated. Um, but I think we saw a team that was far more committed to it in the first half of the season when they were winning, as opposed to uh to use a Rennie as I'm uh, trying to crank out the snake charmer offense at times and have a lot of fun right now. Sometimes winning and the grind to do it isn't that much fun, but it works.
2: And uh, that's why the Panthers are playing for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, full credit to the Florida Panthers. And there was a lot of talk after the game when they presented the Wales trophy. I think we got to put this to bed. Touch, touch the trophy. Celebrate your wins. Uh, full credit to... You know, Barkov for grabbing it and skating around. Never, never been seen before in the NHL, but Matthew Kachuk had a nice quote. He said, no one thought we'd even, you know, get out of the first round or get here. I think you do. Oh, here's the quote. Uh, Here's the quote. Last thing we're going to do is be superstitious about not touching it. Nobody said we were even going to make the playoffs. I think it's cool to touch it, carry it around and take pictures with it. We earned that thing. And not a lot of teams make it to the cup final. You should celebrate it. So credit to them, you know, I think maybe if what they made the cup final last year and lost, and then get back there, maybe then you'd be like, "No, we're not touching it this year." But go go ahead and enjoy. Like you see, a baseball has they're celebrating after winning like the play in game with a champagne <laughs> party. We need more of that in hockey.
1: Yeah, full fledged parade mode for winning a wild card game in Major
2: League Baseball. Yeah.
1: I'm with you, though. I'm with you. I mean, listen, that it, you know, they're at their home rink. They've won yes. um, a historic game in front of their fans. You won a trophy? Grab the thing. Now, Kachuk, I believe, grabbed it first, and then gave it to Barkov, and Barkov started skating. I thought they were actually going to start skating around the rink with it, almost like you would after winning the Stanley Cup. That being said, they didn't do that. They took it into the uh, they, they took it into the the room and. I'm sure then did whatever with it, but yeah, I mean, listen, not touching anything else. It goes to, I think, a level of uh, of cynicism. I think now with you know with fans and players that you know everything is just about you know there's only one champion and everyone else are losers. Hell no! I mean, you do a run that the Florida Panthers have had, regardless of what happens in the Stanley Cup final. Um, there's a lot to celebrate right now, and today's a great day to do it. Last night was a great day to do it. Now they'll get ready for Vegas. Speaking of Vegas, Reem, tonight, um, I like Vegas to end this series against Dallas in a similar four to nothing sweep. And that could mean a long,
2: extended break before we get going with the cup final. When's the cup final? I was wondering about that. They probably didn't schedule in that they were both going to be sweeps, but I think Dallas is done. They came unhinged last game. Jamie Ben, what, an hour after the show ended? Announced the two-game suspension. I think you predicted two games, right? Yep, you did. So I'll, you know, give credit to you. I don't know if there were like odds on that, on that or what. Maybe they should start having, start offering that. But um, that's a big loss for them. He's their captain. You know, he's had a, a nice season. And Vegas, I think this is going to be a great Stanley Cup final. Vegas, Florida, two teams that have played a similar style. You know, I remember Vegas, just the the hitting and the forecheck against winnipeg in that first round was was awesome and vegas i feel like they haven't been given enough credit you know even though they were the first place team they don't have i don't think they have like a super. i guess jack eichel is really having a breakout playoffs and petrangelo is is a number one advancement so i take back they don't have a superstar but i do feel like they play that team game where they can roll four lines at you and it might be a different guy uh doing it every night so we are this is kind of a premature look ahead to to the cup final but Seems like this one is just about over.
1: Well, as I said, I think we're going to have plenty of time to do that, assuming that Vegas gets in. I mean, I don't think that they could possibly start the Cup Final until as early as a week from today. So, um, as I said... What are we going to do for a week? Well, we're going to... You know what we'll do? We'll do exactly what we're going to be doing a lot of the rest of this month, and that's look ahead to what's going on around the rest of the league and the NHL draft coming up in Nashville. And we got a big announcement to make on that as well coming up in the next couple days. Uh, But coming up in just a second, we're going to catch up with Scott Wheeler, who's got a ton of great draft content, along with Corey Pronman at The Athletic. Uh, And interested to hear from him, not only on the upcoming draft, but what he's seen and heard about the Jets' top prospects from last year's draft in Brad Lambert. And Scott will be heading out to the Mem Cup as well as Rucker McGrory and Elias Salmondson. I think you're going to want to hear this as well. The defense of the Jets picked in the second round. Um, before we bring in Scott Wheeler, don't forget folks, Sunday afternoon is the opening of the new grand opening of the new modern man barbershop on Plessy road from 12 to five, receive a haircut for nine bucks with proceeds to Prairie wildlife rehab center, Plus, the first 100 people get a free lunch from their neighbors at Crave and Kitchen Deli. I was at the Grand Opening and got a cut uh, for the, uh, the of new Pemino location a couple weekends ago. Um, and it was just great. I mean, awesome crowd out there. Wonderful store. Uh, great people. And that food was awesome, too. So uh, if you need a haircut, you're out on the east side of the city. Plan to get out to Modern Man Barbershop Plessy from 12 to 5. $9 cuts again proceeds to Prairie Life Rehab. Uh, hey, it's going to be pushing 30 degrees all weekend long. We're thinking summer right now in Winnipeg. And why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech? Visit Aqua-Tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with AquaTech as well. With thousands of renos as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech is ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Well, May-long weekend's behind us, and that is the official kickoff to summer. But Manitoba Battery has ended their or has extended their kick off the summer sale for one more week for free you cottage folks, campers, boaters, golfers looking to take advantage of the best prices in town on batteries. You've got another week to do it. Here we go. Deep cycle batteries starting at one hundred and five bucks. Six volt golf cart batteries one seventy and eight volts are one eighty. And in all cases, you'll get an additional refund back of ten to seventeen bucks for your old batteries when they're returned and they can be delivered within the perimeter at no extra cost. Compare any of the big box stores. Not only will you not have to wait in line, but you'll have to pay $30 to $50 more per battery. Most convenient service with free delivery on any order over 60 bucks in town, and you'll always get the best prices at Manitoba Battery. The sale goes until this Saturday, May 27th. For more info, Go to ManitobaBattery.com or pay them a visit. See Donnie and the gang down at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, we got Bomber preseason football on the road this weekend. And next week, back at IG Field, the wait is just about over, Bomber fans. To be meeting friends around the Rum Hut and enjoying a delicious Canadian club or CC and Ginger, Premixed cocktail now available in cans, both at Bomber Games and at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, you can find CC and Ginger in the 473 milliliter cans at local beer vendors as well. And you'll definitely be able to get it at IG Field as Canadian Club is Canada's favourite whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right. We will talk some hoops and get ready for the C Bears opener in the second hour of the program with Mo Khan. Brandon Rewicki on some NHL and Jets offseason talk. But right now, getting ready for what will be a very interesting month for the Winnipeg Jets and a big week in Nashville at the NHL draft. Let's bring in athletic prospect analyst and good friend of the program, Scott
3: Wheeler. Scott, what's going on? How are you? i'm doing well today's a bit of a a podcast gauntlet if you will for for whatever reason i've booked like five or six of these so you guys are right in right in the middle of that and uh i think that's the sign that it's draft season it's funny i i don't hear from guys like you during the year and then suddenly uh here i am so
1: hey well you know you've been kind enough to come on a few times this year just to talk about a little bit more about some of the jets prospects but Uh, Obviously, right now, and we'll get to, you know, the actual draft in a minute, um, very interesting times here in Winnipeg. And and I think so much of, you know, what happens over the next few weeks could absolutely have a massive impact on what the Winnipeg Jets do at the draft. Because not only are we talking about the uh, possibility of, um, you know, going going and, um, you know, making the selections. But um, there's a bunch of players, Scott, that um, could potentially be on the move. I mean, I know you're focusing on the prospects, but, you know, you and Corey were talking about the uh, Jets' needs going into the draft and the Athletic this week. Uh, What do you make of just the Jets' situation where they are organizationally and how significant the moves could be made over the course of this next month?
3: Well, it certainly feels like they're at some kind of a tipping point one way or the other here, especially with... Some of the pending free agents in wheeler and shifley and obviously you've got dubois and sort of chatter about him right around the corner and it does it, this does feel like it may be the the end of an era and the sort of dawn of a new one and as far as that goes i think they're actually in a fairly well positioned uh, or sort of fairly well positioned if you will in terms of the youth that's coming i'm a big big but you guys know this but i've been since he was 16 years old a huge believer in cole perfetti I think he's going to be a point per game player in the league and a true sort of star winger. Um, we'll see whether it happens for him at center and all of that. But uh, no, big big believer in Cole. I like Chaz a lot. Obviously, the health the health issues with Chaz are concerning and they are reoccurring uh, and different, of different varieties now too. So uh, that's uh, something that he's going to have to uh, sort of overcome. He's going to have to stay healthy and get back on track, but. Brad, I mean, we were just talking before I joined on, I'm off next week to the Memorial cup to watch Brad play. And he's had a, a, a really, really nice run has been in a, a hugely important piece of the team that I believe are the Memorial cup favorites in Seattle. Um, Rutger McGordy, strong freshman year at, at, at Michigan. And it, it, there's, there are pieces there. That's, that's four guys that I think could be good, solid sort of top nine NHL players. So, um, that piece of it, I think, is 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 they're in a good spot, especially for a team that's been a fairly consistent playoff team uh, for a number of years now. Typically, you don't still have a cupboard of, of four or five legitimate prospects when you're in that, that spot. So that's a testament to drafting well. They've, they've hit on some of those sort of big first-round picks, those late teens, early 20s picks. They've done a good job with them. I still think Billy Hanola is going to join that group and and become an everyday um, sort of number four, number five defenseman kind of thing. Um, so there's 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 a foundation there. If they just if they decide to sort of really hit a hard reset button here, there are some some young pieces to continue to to sort of shape a, the the next phase in in their. Uh, I don't want to call it a rebuild, but it's sort of that next chapter for them. There's there are pieces to the puzzle, and they've got another pick coming up at number 18 that should that should add to that if they decide to hang on to it. So um, there's 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 a foundation there. They're they're not in the position that say the Pittsburgh Penguins are, where once it's once the Malkin Crosby era is over, they have not drafted well and they have not drafted hardly at all, and there is absolutely nothing. Waiting in the wings to to help them sort of smooth out losing some core pieces, so uh, they're they're in a decent spot that way.
1: Scott, you just mentioned um two players that I think are really exciting Winnipeg Jet fans: Brad Lambert and Rucker McGordy, the two first rounders from last year. And I'll add in Elias Salmonson, who uh, they took in the second round. That you know, talking with some people in uh, Jets player development. Very excited about. I mean, what can you tell us about just the the last year for those three players from your eyes, and how they've uh, they've progressed as to uh, you know moving on, hopefully to uh, become contributing NHLers.
3: Yeah, well, Salmonson's a really interesting one. I had a, a chat with one of his coaches over in Sweden last week for a different story I was doing on Axel sandy and Pelika, and in that process just really got chatting about salamonson and they just wanted to both both the folks with the within the organization just wanted to wax poetic they felt that before he got injured that he was one of their best defensemen in the, in the shl last year and that he'd the quote that he used was it was a good one and i'm paraphrasing here but he told me basically i've seen good players become great players i've never seen average players become great players as quickly as, as Salomonson did last year and and of said that they they didn't even have even lukewarm expectations for him. They were kind of down on him and then he was tremendous uh before some injury troubles sort of got in the way of his season. So he's going to be a big big part of the World Junior team on home ice in Sweden in Gothenburg this coming December. They're going to have a really strong blue line, that Swedish blue line from top to bottom will be impressive. It'll be the strength of that team. And he, I expect him to be a big part of that. So that's, that's a nice boost. He's a kid who played really well in junior on, on sort of in the early years of his career, always played above his age group, was coming into his draft year, believed to be sort of a true top prospect. And then didn't fall off, but became kind of that second tier, second round type prospect where he was ultimately picked, right? So for him to now regain some of that cachet and some of that status that he had prior is a really positive step for him and a positive step for, for the Jets pool. So there's definitely reason for optimism with Elias. Um, as far as Brad and, and and Rutger go, I mean, Lambert's, the, the speed and the skill, we've We've all seen it. I know it, it wasn't consistent in the AHL, but he was put in a tough position. Last summer, from a conversation I had with Lambert uh, for a Q&A that I did with him, last summer was really his first year training he came over and stayed in aurora which is actually where i'm from and trained with gary roberts at st. andrew's college and it was really the foundation of him trying to to sort of build something for himself and he's if you've seen him he's a he's a pretty skinny kid he's a tall kid but he's a pretty skinny kid still really athletic but there's a lot that's still going to change about him his body his game and i think just spending this the second half of this year playing at the junior level playing with his peers getting sort of really feeling good about himself again i think was was the right thing for him and i expect he's going to score some big goals in the memorial cup and be a a sort of timely key contributor there he he doesn't dominate games at the at the whl level in terms of every shift and all over the puck and that kind of thing but his skill flashes four or five times a game and it, it sort of opens your eyes so that's that's who he is he's going to play with speed and skill and I think he's going to frustrate some coaches along the way. and uh, I know he's a competitive fiery kid too though, and I know he wants to prove people wrong in terms of rounding out his game a little bit. so i'm I'm really interested to see where he takes it and what kind of career he might have because I think it can go in one of several directions. And then Rutger's is just going to be a good player. That's that's who he is. He's a good player. He's been a good player at every level. He's strong on his on his stick. He's got the pro frame already. He's a super charismatic kid that coaches love he's just one of those guys who's, who's just going to be a solid NHL winger. Um, I don't think he's going to have the sort of first line upside that, that the uh, has, for example, but I do believe he's going to be a, a really just a good, well-rounded scoring winger in the, in the middle six there and be kind of a 40, 50 point player and and be a key contributor to a good team. So uh, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of respect and admiration for, for Rutger, and I don't know if you guys have ever had him on your show, but I put him right at the top of my Jets power rankings in terms of uh, the, the quotability and the talking and the way he uh, communicates. He's a pretty, uh, pretty charming kid.
1: We certainly have had him on the program, and I can tell you that it didn't take long for uh, Jets fans to tune into our program to fall in love with this kid and that. Uh... And we'll have to wait another year to get him here, but people are very excited about, you know, what he'll bring on the ice and off the ice, just as, you know, maybe a guy that can sort of usher in, even though be a rookie, a very young player. I mean, a new uh, attitude around the team and, uh, you know, and he's really been a culture carrier every single team that he's been on. And I'm sure that's the hope here in, uh, here in Winnipeg, Scott, as far as the draft goes, since we spoke last, the ping pong balls were dropped. Um, When it comes to franchise-changing moments, how significant was those balls dropping in the favor of the Chicago Blackhawks? So they're on the clock for Connor Bedard.
3: Yeah, I mean, it can't be... It really can't be overstated how big of a moment that was for the Blackhawks. They are, uh, as we know, probably this year, entering this next season, and we'll see what they do in free agency and whether this changes what they do in free agency. But had they entered next season give or take with the roster that they'd finished this season with, they were going to be the most bare bones team in the league. And that's a, that's a, to, to add a piece like that to a team that was empty and, and not just empty in terms of the roster, but the depth, everything at the professional level, they've got a, actually already had a pretty strong pool. They made three first round picks last year, drafted Frank Nazar, Kevin Kaczynski, Sam Renzel sort of rejuvenated that pool in a pretty quick order. Lucas Reichel, a, an excellent, excellent prospect who may get to play in the future at the, on the wing with Connor Bedard and be a sort of top six player for them. So they they had some young pieces, but I mean, we saw the roster, right? It was Max Domi and Tyler Johnson, and it was it was pretty grim. And I, I almost think that them landing Bedard and how good he's capable of being, the fact that they don't have contracts tied up long-term they don't have bad deals signed they don't have anybody other than Seth Jones on a six seven-year contract that's a really advantageous position to be entering in a player of of Conor Bedard's caliber because they don't have to tear anything down they've got a blank slate in terms of signing free agents and bringing the right players in to surround him with and you hope that he can grow organically with a really really impressive group of prospects and not just with him but they've got another first round pick again this year they've got two more first round picks again next year and they've got two more first round picks the year after that so they've really well posi- they're really well positioned for these next three drafts they've got multiple second round picks in each of those drafts they have more draft capital capital than any other team in the NHL uh, and you're going to build it around a player who I believe is going to score 50 goals and hundred points in the NHL in the prime of his career. And that's a pretty rare thing. So it's, it's, uh, I mean, he's, he's special. I've, I've been doing, this is the 10th draft. I've been doing this kind of on a full-time basis and outside of McDavid, he's the, the best prospect I've watched at that age. And it, it, on top of that, we can forget that he's actually a summer birthday. So he's, he's on the younger, believe it or not, on the younger side of this draft class.
1: Uh, Do you think uh, that Kyle Davidson, the fact that they have Bedard might change their thinking as far as accelerating this plan a bit? I mean, you know, with an all-world player like that on his ELC, I mean, you do want to make the most of that. And um, I can't help but think that this might open up some new possibilities to maybe get a little bit more aggressive as to adding to this roster, which, as you mentioned, was pretty much scorched earth. I mean, you know, talent-wise, the worst in the National Hockey League last year.
3: Yeah, they're not – I certainly think that it's going to mean that they sign two wingers this offseason that are capable of playing with him and making sure that he's in a good situation. He's not going to start next year playing with Tyler Johnson. Like, that's just not going to be the outcome. So I think you look at the free agent pool, you look at guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Tyler Bertuzzi, guys who play with not an edge – I mean, I wouldn't say O'Reilly plays to an edge with him, but guys who can support him, guys who can lift him up, who can – Uh, sort of correct for some of his mistakes who can get get pucks to him and do some of the dirty work veteran types I I think a a guy like a Bertuzzi or a Ryan O'Reilly makes a lot of sense for them Uh, and certainly in O'Reilly's case it's not going to come with a long-term commitment so they're not handicapping at the next phase when they truly want to add in free agency by adding a guy like a Ryan O'Reilly on a two or three year deal given his age so um that's that's the approach i think they take i don't think that means they're speeding up their process though i think that, i think they fully expect that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league next year i don't think they're in any rush to sort of add to that uh, sort of quickly build around him they're going to let this happen by all accounts davidson is committed to letting this happen organically letting him develop with their young core presenting opportunities to players like reichel players like Porchinski. Uh, and just sort of building it uh, around Bedard so that when he's in the prime of his career, when he's 22, 23, and, and he's playing at his best, then they can sort of push all in around a good young team. And I, th- I think that's how you'll see this play out. But they still have to sign players. They still need to ice a roster. They still need to get to the cap floor. All of that's going to happen. And I think veteran types like an O'Reilly or, or Bertuzzi could make a lot of sense for them.
1: Scott Wheeler of The Athletic is with us getting ready for a draft week in Nashville at the uh, end of next month. Scott, we've heard a lot about this draft class for a long time, and uh, you know, many of us sort of, you know, maybe lazily talking about about it as the Bedard draft, but it's much more than Connor Bedard. Um, now that you've had another year to scout these players as we get ready for next month to hear their names called, how would you categorize the overall strength of the draft class of the NHL of 2023?
3: I think it's uh, again, like uh, Bedard is the best prospect to David. I think this is the best draft class since 2015. Obviously, 2015 was special. People always talk about 2003, and I think there's an easy argument to be made that 20, 2015 is going to go down as the best sort of modern draft in, in the history of the NHL. So, uh, I mean, it wasn't just McDavid, right? It was Eichel and Marner and Rantanen and Kyle Connor and Matt Barzell and Thomas Shabbat and you go down the list. It was Travis Konecny, on and on, right? So. Um, that's what this feels like. That's what this feels like to me. If, if, uh, if Bedard can be your McDavid and, uh, guys like Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson and Will Smith and Matt Bamichkov can become as good as I think they're capable of becoming and which in all, in the case of all five of those players is point per game, frontline, first line players. Uh, then suddenly you're in that mix with 2015 and you just need a few guys elsewhere in the draft to hit. And I actually quite like the depth of this draft. This is a draft that thinner for sure on defense than we're used to this is a thinner draft than we've seen in a few years on defense there are really two kids at the top that were there all year there are is has been one other tom willander of Rogla, who has sort of worked his way into that conversation with axel sandy and pelika and david reinbacker and then you've got a russian in Mikhail guliev who could well be available at 18 uh who's a very offensive minded but kind of smaller defenseman um so they've Uh, outside of it being really only four or five quality defensemen in the first round, which is a very small number. uh, It's at forward. It's a tremendous draft and that's not just because of the five that I talked about at the very top. It's also Zach Benson and Oliver Moore and Gabe Perot players with legitimate sort of star top of the lineup upside in their own right, who would be top five picks in other drafts. Uh, even, Even going back to last year, I'm not convinced that, Benson is any less of Zach Benson of the Winnipeg Ice is any less of a prospect than your Slavkovsky and Shane Wright and the players in Logan Cooley who were picked at the very top of last year's draft, right? So it's a it's an impressive group. You're going to see that the, if the top five hit or if four of the top five hit, you're going to have franchise making players in those guys. and then even further down, I think at forward in particular, you're going to see a few stars sort of emerge out of this draft. And it's going to be a a sort of in, in, in history's context, I think it's going to be a really impressive group
1: scott in the latest um mock in the athletic you and your colleague cory Proman flipped a coin so you got to pick Connor vidar was probably the easiest part of the entire exercise and then went back and forth with first round picks F- adam fantilli who is i believe in most cases is thought to be the consensus number two pick went off the board there how automatic is he at number two and once number two is taken in your mind um How many guys are in the mix for those other top five spots and potentially going number three, like Will Smith did in your pool?
3: Yeah, so Adam, less and less convinced that he's going to be the guy too. If I were setting the betting lines, he would still be my betting favorite, if you will. I still think he's the most likely player to go to Anaheim and uh, not just because of the pedigree, what he accomplished with the Chicago Steel, winning a title there and producing like he did as a teenager in the USHL, which is a very difficult league to score in, a tougher league than the CHL is to score in, uh, but also obviously this season is history-making freshman year, the Hobie Baker at, at the University of Michigan. Uh, he was brilliant he was sensational. It was Jack Eichel-esque. Um, so that's, that's a, a big factor. Plus the the Anaheim piece, they they like physical. um, They've drafted a lot of guys who sort of play hard, heavy, competitive styles. Nathan Gaucher was their first-round pick last year, certainly plays that style. Mason McTavish certainly plays that style. And Fantilli would just fit in there. He has that element that those other players in the top five don't in terms of he can hurt you, he can finish a hard check, he can play in the dirty areas. I had his coach sort of use a line with me earlier in the year of, uh, he can play it in the front yard or in the back alley. Like there's just a different sort of snarl and meanness that's under the underneath Fantilli's skill game that the other players lack, and I think that could be a draw for Anaheim. But in saying that, Leo Carlson is number two on a lot of teams' lists. There are still teams who think Matt Baichkov is the second best prospect in this draft and the closest in talent to Connor bedard and there are even teams now that think that will smith should go number two or number three so it's not a foregone conclusion that that is the guy there and then after that to answer the second part of your question it's going to be interesting uh, i think will smith makes a lot of stylistic sense for the way that the columbus blue jackets have drafted and for what they need in terms of a true playmaking point producing center, which is at, at his core, what Will Smith is going to be. Um, he would re- really sort of a similar player type as well to a Johnny Goudreau and a Kent Johnson who they already have there and are, would really complement well the shooters like Kirill Marchenko and Patrick Laine. Um, so I, I think Will Smith makes a lot of sense at three, but if Anaheim doesn't take Van Tilly, I think Van makes a lot of sense for them as well for different reasons. So um it it will be interesting, and then if, if suddenly if if Leo Carlson's available for, which again I don't think is a foregone conclusion, conclusion I think he could go two or three, uh, but if Leo Carlson's available four, then the San Jose Sharks I'm certain would not hesitate in taking him as well. So uh, that piece of it, those four guys I all expect are going to go top five. I don't think you're going to see any sort of shocking surprises there. I don't think you're going to see a faller from that group. The real question mark is Meechkov. Where where does Meechkov go? Uh, who feels comfortable taking the swing on a kid who's not going to be coming over here in all likelihood until 2026? Who feels comfortable taking the swing on a small, not particularly fast winger? It, it's always the wingers that fall, right? It's always the Cole Caulfields, the Alex DeBrinkets. Last year, we saw Joachim Kemmel and Jonathan Wicker Mackie fall. Push comes to shove at the draft. Teams like to take centers and defensemen. That's just the way it goes. So, uh, it, there's there's a lot of... Um, question marks on one hand about Michkov. And then for me, I still, I'm, I'm in the group that believes he's the second most talented player in this draft and that he's got a chance to put up 90 to a hundred points in a season and be one of the most exciting players on, on television in the league. And, uh, he's a a special prospect, the best Russian prospect since Ovechkin and and Malkin went back to back one, two in 2004, and that's 20 years ago now. So, uh, a, a pretty unique talent that I think if he does slip is going to make whichever team is comfortable taking that risk uh, and getting him over here. If, he, if they can get him over here, I have I have very few worries about him becoming a, a truly high-end player.
1: Scott, if uh, Meechkov was from Medicine Hat instead of Moscow, how would he <laughs> be viewed differently going into Nashville?
3: I think there's there is some of that. I truly believe that. Uh, I think there's some of that in the perception that he's a one-dimensional player as well. There are teams that are worried about his play off the puck. And while I think he's not going to be a driver in terms of sort of dragging his teammates into it and the competitiveness, I think he's more competitive than than he lets on. And I do think if his birth certificate looked different and if he'd played in the WHL, and scored 150 points like Connor Bedard had this year, which I think he quite well may have at at that level, um, it would be a different conversation. It would be a different sort of context in terms of the way that people describe him and talk about his game. I think the same goes had he played in in two U18 worlds. We forget. He didn't play in Germany or in Switzerland in U18 Worlds. The last time we saw him on the international stage was in Texas three years ago at U18 Worlds, and he nearly broke the scoring record and did it as a double underager. So had he been at U18 Worlds, even one of the U18 Worlds in Germany or Switzerland, and had he played at any of the world juniors, uh, of the last two world juniors in Edmonton, and then the most recent world juniors in Halifax, I think he could have been putting up 15, 16 points in those tournaments as well, pushing the the crazy numbers that Connor bedard put up this at this last one in halifax and then we're also having a talk about him being a clutch scorer and not drifting to the perimeter and i just think it the conversation would be a little bit different so i, I think you're right you're on the right path there in terms of him being the the the, the passport is has something to do with the way that he's talked about
1: Well, all the geopolitical stuff happening outside of hockey um, certainly has an effect in it as well. Scott Wheeler's with us. Uh, Scott, before we go, let's just move down to pick 18. The Winnipeg Jets will be on the clock. You you had an interesting piece in The Athletic with Corey uh, on a question from Murata Tesh, our good friend, who uh, essentially said, you know, with some injury problems and smaller players like Ehlers and Lucius and Perfetti, do we think that the Jets might try and target a little bit more size and grit with a pick? Um, just thoughts on that, and what sort of a player might be available to Winnipeg when they're picking in the middle of the first round?
3: Yeah, it's a, I thought it was a good question from Murat, and, and one that I think is well-made just because, really, out, out of those guys that I talked about, even Hanola off the top, it, it is a little bit of a smaller group or at least in Brad's case, he, he doesn't lack the height, but he still needs to get stronger and certainly plays a game that exists on the perimeter and all of that. Um, so that piece of it, I think, is is a factor. Uh, I do think they, they likely tried to address a little bit of that with, with the Rutger-McGroarty selection. Rutgers is a, a really strong, well-built, uh, standout-in-the-gym kind of guy. Like he, He'd walk into their dressing room tomorrow and be one of the stronger guys in the gym, I would expect. Uh, even at the NHL level, so that piece of it is is uh, helps. But uh, specifically on the blue line uh, within their pool, uh, Salmons. We talked about Salmons, and he's a he's a bigger kid, but doesn't play particularly hard. And Hainola's is on the smaller side for an NHL defenseman. So it does feel like if they go for a D at that selection, that it would maybe they would maybe prioritize some size this time around, and just look for maybe a bit of a different element. And even if they go forward, I think it's less likely that they go forward just because of the depth that they do have at forward within their pool. But even if they go forward, yeah, just, just somebody who could play with a Brad Lambert, somebody who could play with a Cole Perfetti and maybe sort of offset them, be a kind of a foil to those kinds of guys. And uh, as far as options like that, there are multiple uh, in and around 18. Uh, I think you could see a player like Quinton Musty of the Sudbury Wolves go in that range. Quinton is a big, big kid, was the first overall pick into the OHL. An American kid who elected not to go to the national program and to go to the OHL instead. Um, sort of six foot two, 200 plus pound type of kid, but also has tons of skill. playmates can shoot it, all of that. So uh, he, he strikes me as a player who could really fit there. Um, Callum Ritchie's another one. Callum, like Brad, has some work to do to fill out his frame, but Callum's six foot two, six foot three was the second overall pick into the OHL behind uh, Quentin Musty uh, and has been really productive on all things considered on an Oshawa Generals team that has not had hardly any talent around him in the last two seasons. So uh, those are two guys that come to mind. Uh, Alum's a natural center but has played a lot of right wing with Hockey Canada. Musty's a natural left wing who hasn't played much center at all. Um, so different positions, but those two kids like that are – the you're going to see those types of players available at 18. And I think the jets would likely strongly consider each of those guys.
1: Scott, last one on the way out. And uh, just very quickly, every year in the week or two heading into the draft, there's a guy that we maybe haven't talked about very much. That is a, uh, is a late riser. Um, you know, we're about a month out or so. And any predictions on a player or two that maybe you know hasn't been seeing himself as high on the mock drafts? That is going to gain some traction and might be seeing or hearing his name picked a lot higher once we get to uh, the end of June.
3: I think there are two names. Um, one, and it's hard to call him a riser when he set and broke records by Austin Matthews and and uh and Jack Hughes at the National program, but Gabe Perot uh, of the National development team coming into this year was viewed as kind of a late first. He was a very skinny kid, kind of five foot eleven, but started at the program as one hundred and thirty pounds uh, now not one hundred and thirty pounds. I think he's up around one seventy now, but uh, still a very skinny kid, not a great skater. and as a result, there was this perception that no matter how productive he was, he kind of looked more like a mid to late first round guy and then The stats just kept piling up and the record started breaking. And now I think there's a real chance that Gabe a top 10 pick. Uh, So he has certainly made a really, really strong sort of case for himself as this season has progressed that the talent is just undeniable uh, and that as a result, he belongs at the very top of the draft. One other kid who ironically actually didn't play much in the second half, but I think could surprise some people just in terms of the way that he hasn't been talked about as much as some of the other top prospects in the draft is Samuel Hanzik? Uh, he's a Slovakian kid. Played for the Vancouver Giants in the WHL this year. Actually broke his foot uh, and missed the CHL Top Prospects Game, so didn't get the limelight of the CHL Top Prospects Game. Missed a good chunk of the second half of the middle sort of third, and then into the second half of the season with an injury. Uh, but is a player who scouts love. Uh, they, they're big, big on Samuel Hansak. He's six foot four. He can make plays kind of has that Pavel Zaka feel to him where Pavel Zaka wasn't the most talented player in his draft class, but was still a top 10 pick and is now a very important piece after uh, starting in New Jersey. Now a very important piece of, of the Boston Bruins, right? So uh, I think there are teams that just look at a player like Hanzik and think that guy's going to be a winning type of hockey player. That guy's going to be a top nine winger in the NHL and be a really good player. Uh, and there's safety in that for some teams. Some teams don't love to take the swings on the the sort of higher risk, higher reward guys. So I think you could see a Hanzik, who just hasn't been talked about in the top ten, top fifteen conversation. I think there's a there's a p- potential for him to be drafted there. And there's also a potential, I should say, in him being there at eighteen, though, as well. Uh, and, and if he is, uh, again, another guy like Richie and like Musty that I think uh, I think Winnipeg would strongly consider.
1: Scott, this has been uh, just such a great chat. Cannot thank you enough. Uh, we'll look forward to all of your content along with Corey getting us ready for the draft in the Athletic and uh, got a couple cold ones for you in uh, Nashville. We really appreciate
3: you joining us. Can't wait. It's going to be a ton of fun. All
1: right. Great stuff with Scott Wheeler. and We'll have plenty more analysis and uh, draft prep on the program heading into uh, Nashville in the final week in June. Uh, Brandon Ruiki's teed up. He's going to join us right away. Mo Khan still to come a little later on. Hey folks! If you're looking for great prices on natural, organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, you got to get down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca with same day local delivery. If you get your order in at myvita.ca before 11 a.m., orders placed after 11 a.m. will be delivered the next day. Uh, grilling season is here, gang! Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass fed bison and beef steaks. And the perfect thing to help you digest that red meat is Health First Primezyme Digestive Enzymes available at Vita Health as well. Seven Winnipeg locations, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Pop by and see them today or shop online at myvita.ca. <coughs> Our friends at Wallace & Wallace are uh, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need a fence, they've got uh, pretty much every kind you could need. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Whether it's fencing or overhead doors, give them a call at 204-452-2700. Their team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, The gang at F Apparel is ready for wedding season. Are you fellas? Hey, if you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at $400, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties a free custom shirt and tie for 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. Pop on down to see him at 190 Smith Street or make an appointment or find out more online at F. That's E-P-H apparel.com. And we're pushing 30 degrees all weekend. No better place to uh, add to your to-do list than to get the family down to one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs and try all the great new summer blizzard flavors. It's not summer until you've had a blizzard At Nick and Nicky DQ, four locations DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. Hit them up online at DQ Manitoba for custom made DQ ice cream or blizzard cakes for your next party event as well. And uh, of course, a couple more days till we're back at the track, but Assiniboia Downs live racing resumes on Monday, Monday and Tuesday of next week, and then the normal schedule of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But food truck wars are happening this weekend at the track. So uh, maybe you plan that as part of your weekend to-do list. Uh, Get down to Assiniboine Downs and enjoy the beer gardens presented by Little Brown Jug and all the great food at Food Truck Wars at Assiniboine Downs this weekend. Speaking of food, a nice little segue into bringing in the hosts of Skates and Plates himself, Brandon Rewicki back to WST. Ru, what's going on? How are you?
4: I'm doing all right, man. I know what my weekend plans are now. So 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 thanks for helping me out with that. That's a that's a beauty right there. There's
1: some great food trucks in the city of Winnipeg, oh. and it's just a matter of finding out where they're at. Um, what a great idea to get them all together for an event out at the towns. That that is something we should go and check out. Right up the aisle, I, I alley actually, of skates and plates.
4: One of my one of my buddies actually had his wedding catered by a food truck here in Winnipeg. It, it was the the Red Ember food truck. Uh, that, nice. that like massive the 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 big boy that they have there. It, it was probably the best wedding food I've ever had, to be honest with you. So I'm excited. It sounds good. Yeah, there, there's some there's some real talent out there. Um, there there's also a great I, I I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but like Island some kind of Island, Island, Island Fusion one Island Fusion. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they 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 bring the flavor in a big way.
1: You know, it's funny. Uh, the guy that does the Island Fusion. Uh, we often, a friend of mine knows him, and we do uh, just Jamaican patty orders by the dozen at some point during the year. And we'll all go watch a hockey game. Then he'll roll into the bar with five pizza boxes, a dozen in each, and go to town. It's some good stuff. Well, maybe next week we can get some good food truck rankings from you on the program. Right now, though, um, <laughs> listen, I, we got to get to the Florida Panthers. They're moving on to the Stanley Cup final, completing the sweep of the Carolina Hurricanes yesterday. How how should Winnipeg Jet fans feel right now watching Paul Maurice get what he's getting out of this team that just snuck into the playoffs with the worst record than Winnipeg did and is now four wins away from winning the Stanley Cup?
4: Well, the good news is that Whatever narrative you want to gain from it, you can go with it <laughs> because <laughs> there's, there's honestly, I've seen so many people with so many different takes and all in different directions too, and none of them are really wrong, which is kind of the funny part. Like you have you have the pro Maurice's taking a victory lap around everybody right now. You have you know maybe people that were in the anti Maurice camp say, well, you know, when your goalie gets a 980 over the course of <laughs> of a conference fight, you're probably going to win that series more often than not. I mean, you can go all over the place, but I I think, I don't know. You can feel however you want. I, I like Paul Maurice, you know, I like, I I don't, I I would say this does look, this doesn't make him an elite coach in the NHL, but, but he's a nice dude. And I had the chances I've had to talk with him. I've, you know, come away kind of rooting for him. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to be upset or anything like that. If the Panthers go on and, and win the Stanley cup, or even if they don't, um, but, you know, at the same time, it, it, it's just interesting how, I guess, I guess more so the danger of trying to narrow down a complete statement, like a firm, this is the reason why the Panthers are where they are right now. Because the the reality of the situation is, you know, if, mm-hmm. if a dysfunctional Penguins team finds a way to beat two of the worst hockey teams in the NHL this year, The narrative completely does a 180 on on Paul Maurice, on Sergei Bobrovsky, on Matthew Kachuk, on down and down and down the list. I mean, Zito as well, the GM there, right? Like, I mean, they they were so close to not even being in the dance uh, to to get in there. And then we have, you know, the Game 5 comeback. We have the Game 7 Bruins meltdown. And there's so many, right? Like, so I'm not going to make some big sweeping declaration one way or the other because, let's face it, Hockey is the most random sport out there and a bounce or two here or there. And we do complete 180s on coaches and players' legacies and and different things like that. But he's he's doing a good job out there. I, I mean let's let's face it, you take down the top three teams in the East. You're you're obviously doing something right. Um, but I, I would, you know, probably if we're if we're looking to allocate some some praise and and a bigger reason as to why the Panthers are where they are right now, I mean, number one is your goaltender is putting forth a legendary performance and when when goalies put forth legendary performances through three consecutive series this is generally what happens and then you have a superstar and Matt Kachuk just being I mean you're talking about a guy that was labeled a a playoff unperformer coming into this season (laughs) even more than Paul Maurice I don't know if there's anybody that's done a 180 or bolstered their reputation more than Matthew Kachuk, who just scores the biggest goals at the biggest possible times.
1: Well, and and, and Calgary fans must be sick to their stomach. I mean, if if you think back to the Battle of Alberta last year, what was it, 9-6 in the first game? And then it was all Edmonton. And Kachuk wasn't much of a factor in the rest of that series. And he couldn't look any different right now, really putting this team on his back along with Bob and dragging them to the cup final. And yes, That game where Pittsburgh lost at home to Chicago, I was just looking at the goal that won it for the Blackhawks. Do you know who scored it? (laughs) Buddy Buddy Robinson. Oh, Buddy Robinson, (laughs) back in the NHL, (laughs) back in the NHL, and 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 then I mean, I was talking about this at the start of the show, but you think that so Florida gets in, Florida beats Boston, Florida then knocks the Leafs out, which puts that entire team into turmoil. Dubas is out, and Dubas may end up managing the Pittsburgh Penguins who would have been in if they could have just beaten the Blackhawks in that game. I mean, you talk about a lot of randomness. Um, It is almost like a magic carpet ride. But we see this happen over and over with different teams Um, maybe not always from the eighth hole like the Panthers have done, but they are doing that. And I'll say this about Maurice. I think what's happening right now with the Panthers, and part of it is the players that they have on the club, but this team is buying into his message. I saw a great thing and I talked about a little earlier. Mike Kelly broke it down about how often and how few Times That the Panthers would dump the puck in last year and how often they wouldn't even dump the puck out for safety in their own ends. Both of those numbers have gone way up this year under Paul Maurice. But a big part of it is that come playoff time, you have to do that. And they did that more through the regular season, more prepared to do it. And the bottom line is when they are dumping it in. They are winning puck battles and uh, so much of it, Brandon. I mean, you can break it down, but it's one on one. A lot of times who's winning that puck, who's keeping the puck and the Florida Panthers are doing a hell of a good job of it. And when they have it, they're making the most of their chances far better than their opponents who have to get through Bob.
4: Yeah, I mean, it it, it really speaks to how fickle coaching can be at the NHL level, because I know that the, the Maurice senior didn't end super well here in Winnipeg, but were the 2018 Winnipeg Jets not looking a whole lot like these Panthers right now? Oh, yeah. like I mean, the, the Jets were, which is just, it's wild to think about, but a large group of this team right now in Winnipeg bought into Paul Maurice, and they weren't able to have a ton of success, and they were an absolute force to be reckoned with. But the message, or I, mean, I don't know if the message got stale or just wasn't being received, whatever the reason was, but you kind of see things, you know, turn into a bit of a tailspin in the last couple of seasons there. And then obviously the change with Maurice going over to Florida. So I mean he's proven that he can he can do a good job if he's able to get a group to buy into the message. The the, the intriguing part with Maurice looking back at his tenure is that you know when people would always say the win loss thing was that he never got goaltending, and <laughs> wouldn't you know it that he didn't get goaltending in the first half of his coaching career, maybe the first two thirds, but that he ends up with Connor Hellebuck and then a all time Hall of Fame performance. Sergey Bobrovsky here right now, so he's getting it in spades. And that's the other funny part of this, too, Huss, is that you know, you could point to it, like I said, there and say, Hey, Florida was insanely lucky to have Pittsburgh blow it in the final two games of the season, but then you could flip right around and say, Well, the Panthers were one of the best analytical teams throughout the entire regular season, they were unlucky not to be in a more fortunate spot. So you can go all over the place here, and again, like I said earlier, whatever narrative you believe in. You probably have some, some <laughs> facts and some data to back it up, which is just hilarious and and, and makes for great sports talk. Yeah, um, very malleable also, topics be, right now. <laughs> yeah. But it also, I mean, if you're looking almost from more of a macro perspective, you know, the Panthers, even with all the departures they had the previous offseason, it again kind of shows the importance of having elite high end talent at, at important positions where you have your number one center and Barkov. You have, I mean, Kachuk's a unicorn, basically a you know as as impactful as a number one center out there on the wing, and then they've got two number one defensemen as well out there in Florida. So I mean, that's to me when I look at why the Panthers are where they are, a bunch of different factors. But let's face it too, this isn't your your normal eight seed that snuck in on the last day of the postseason. This was, I don't know what the opposite of a paper tiger is. But that's what the Florida Panthers were once they were able to get into the dance here. And they're they're doing the the 2012 Kings dance right now.
1: Well, and it's funny. I'll give Jack Hand credit, that former assistant coach with the uh, the Leafs that does a lot of interesting stuff online. He said before it, this is a bad matchup for the Boston Bruins. This is going to be a real test. Now, that being said, if Brad Marchand scores in the final two seconds of game five on that clear-cut breakaway up 3-1, the Bruins move on, and history is entirely different. But he didn't, and from that moment on, they have been—they uh, have caught lightning in a bottle. Kachuk, back-to-back 40 goal seasons. His numbers this year: 79 games, 40 goals, 69 assists for 109 points and 123 penalty minutes, which you don't often see triple digits right now in the NHL. I had this conversation last night watching the game with some of my buddies, and our. How Greg from Royal dropped this one on me, and I've been thinking about it since last night, and I'm interested to in what you think. If you had a redraft of the entire National Hockey League right now, Connor McDavid's obviously number one. I don't think there's much dispute with that. Who's number two, and how close is Matthew Kachuk to being that guy? I mean, think about 40 goals, 109 points, all the intangibles that he brings, and then everything else about the culture care. Like, who else is in the mix for that? We thought maybe like Kale McCarr for sure. Yeah. Obviously, Nate McKinnon would be in the mix, but. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, I, I would have never thought of him as that sort of franchise player before, but it's pretty hard not to. I mean, he's already had the numbers, and now when it matters the most, he's elevating his game and doing things that frankly no one else, including Connor McDavid, wasn't able to do in the, in their last round of the playoffs.
4: Yeah, I, I think he's vaulted himself into the best player in the world, not named Connor McDavid discussion. <laughs> because McDavid's on a planet all on his own, mm. but I mean, you want to talk, I would I would say Makar, Dreisidel, McKinnon, Matthews, and Kachuk. Like those are like he's he's there. I, I don't know what your I guess the order.
1: I guarantee there's probably at least a handful of GMs that probably would actually have Kachuk over a bunch of those guys that you just mentioned.
4: Yeah. 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 Like you could make a case for for any of the like I would probably have Makar too because he's just a complete freak. But man, it's, it would be, tough. yeah, yeah, you could, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, kind of the crazy thing is you can make a case for him being the second best player on the planet right now. Um, I, I don't know if he is or not, but he's, he's turned into an absolute manimal. Like he's just, he influences the game every single time he steps out on the ice. And he's one of the rare ones that, you know, I mean, for, for all of Dreisaitl's insane offensive exploits, you know, he gives a fair bit back of the defensive end. I mean, obviously still enough to be. One of the three or four best players on the planet but you know kachuk does it everywhere like there's there's no hole in his game he's not a great skater but he's you know good enough to get the job done but like i mean if you look at what he does out there he's he is the the new complete package so i i yeah and it's 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 just funny to think about how quickly legacies and stuff like that get turned around hey Hus, where you know prior to this in calgary it was can you get it done in the playoffs with matthew kachuk It was very, very similar to to Pavel Datsuk 2 in Detroit. I would always make this argument when people would say Ehlers can't do this, he can't do that in the playoffs. Datsuk's, I think, first 19 playoff games, he had five points and then ends up being what I would say is a Hall of Fame player, right? Like, so it's, it's, it it also kind of lends to the notion that maybe don't, maybe don't make an assertion on somebody's legacy before they, uh, get into the back half of their career at the very least.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought Ehlers and the Jets into it because I did want to ask you. I mean, now that we've seen another couple rounds of the playoffs and seeing what Vegas has done to Edmonton and are doing to Dallas uh, and where the Panthers are right now, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets and what they are, what we've seen them be in the past and obviously where players are at right now, but... I mean, first of all, you need to have a team that shows up and, and, you know, and and fights the way a team like Carolina did last night with their backs against the wall. And that obviously is a big concern. And a lot of people, myself included, still sort of bent at the, you know, just how meekly they kind of went out in game five. And that's not the first time this happened. And that maybe is more an identity thing. But as far as a team being built, there's a lot of skill. There's a lot of scoring on the Winnipeg Jets. And they've had that for a while a lot of things that they don't have when you see these teams that are still battling and let's assume that it's Vegas and Florida what can we learn about those teams as to where the Winnipeg Jets need to tweak their roster improve certain styles or qualities coming in if they want to be more competitive with the teams that are really legit cup contenders once we get to this point in the playoffs
4: yeah I mean I don't know how much time you want to spend on this but the number one is the the thing that's the hardest to kind of, I, I guess, put a put a number on, and that's just the identity and the culture of the team. Like that, that's that's it. That's number one. They they have the skill on the team. It's just there. There's some something wrong with the mix that it doesn't work when the chips are down. And I think Carolina is a, a great example of that. I mean, they they literally because of their head coach and the way that they play, believe that they were still in this down 3 <laughs> and and they were. I mean, that is the tightest sweep you will ever see, I think, maybe in any sport where Carolina, you know, in an, in an altered universe, might have found a way to sweep that series as well if, if a couple of the bounces go their way. Um, and I, I think what you see in Vegas, too, where, you know, they they take a malcontent, a guy that was almost a bit of a pariah in Jack Eichel, and he's doing the Matthew Kachuk run out there in the Western Conference where he's been the best player um, out, out there in the West all playoffs long after, after game one against Winnipeg at the very least. Uh so I, I mean that that's gotta be the first issue that's that's figured out. Then if you want to talk more so player personnel, and it's it's gonna depend a lot too on the trade returns that the Jets get if they do ship out a number of their guys, but I I guess the one thing that that I've noticed and I've I've said for a while now that I think Winnipeg's really missing is the need to have a stud on the second pair could have it's mandatory to have that that number one guy that number one blue liner and and thankfully the Jets were able to find that in, in Josh Morrissey but you really do you look at these teams you you need to have that that second piece behind him you know whether it's on the same parent or on the one behind him that that you can trust and lean on and know that hey through 40 45 maybe even 50 minutes of a hockey game we're gonna have a guy that can carry the pace of play on the back end for us. I think that's one of the big pieces of the Jets have been missing really since Bufflin left because when Bufflin was there, they they had enough behind him. Like they would have, I mean, Truba and Morrissey as a pairing were able to, I think, elevate their level of play to something like that as, as a grouping because Dustin Bufflin was the big horse up front for them. And I think that's one of the main things this club is missing right now is that they don't have somebody that can – Maybe not equal what Morrissey does on the back end because he's very unique in terms of, of how he delivers value to the team. But to have a guy that you feel super, super comfortable with playing 25 minutes behind him, all those teams that are left have a guy like that. And it's pretty noticeable when you see Vegas and their duo with Petrangelo and Theodore. And then even, you know, old Florida and Carolina, but Florida having Montour and Eckblad, I think that is... One of the pieces that the Jets, you know, just taking a look at their current roster as it's constructed right now, they could find somebody like that to come in and step up for them. It, it would be a massive, massive step in the right direction. Brandon Rewicki's with us. You know, speaking of the blue line,
1: and one of the big topics that we've had outside of the obvious, what's happening with Helly, Shifley, Dubois, Wheeler, uh, is the blue line. And the need to um, either figure out a way to get Philly Hainala and Declan Chisholm onto the roster and potentially playing in games to see what they've got, or moving them or moving someone. I mean, as I said, you can only have so many guys, and you don't want to have a Johnny Kovac-Sevich situation where you're losing a talented young guy that hasn't really, certainly in Chisholm's spot, that hasn't really got a chance to show what he can do at the NHL level, lose him before getting a chance to do that. But in addition to that, Dylan Sandberg needs a new contract. And I was talking about this with Mike at the end of the year. Um, What What... What do you think a contract for Dylan Sandberg looks like? And if you're the Winnipeg Jets, I sort of brought up that I can't help but look at Zach Whitecloud with a six year deal at $2.7 million. Like, I think, have we learned enough about Dylan Sandberg that he can be definitely a third, second pairing guy for a long term? And does it make sense for the Jets to make an aggressive offer to pay him more now and get him signed long term?
4: That's exactly where I was going with that. The the Jets should do everything in their power to make it a five, six year deal. And if I'm Dylan Sandberg, I'm doing everything in my power to make it a one, maybe a two year deal at most, because he's going to be getting the playing time coming up here. So, I mean, that's, it's going to be the give and take there, right? I mean, I, I 100% let, let's try to go long term here, lock him up. I mean, not on a crazy number and I I don't think it's going to be as low as, as white clouds was. So does three and a half get it done? On a five, six year deal for Dylan, like, I I don't know. It's a lot of security for a guy that, you know, hasn't really got a ton of playing time at the NHL level. And I'm not just sure he yet. ever has
1: the points that are going to be. I mean, let's face it, exactly. points are a huge yeah. part. Like, whether they matter when that's what you're looking for in a defenseman, I think a horse like Sandberg probably has more of an upside when it comes to, you know, offense if he's in more of those situations and plays more. But I'm not sure he'll ever be a guy that, you know, is able to, you know, command five or six million dollars a year because, you know, he's putting up 18 to 20 goals and 55 points. That being said, and that's part of the reason why, if that's not going to be the case, a fair deal that compensates and maybe better in the short term, but gives the Jets some long term security is something that I think really could be a win win for both sides. But to me having that sort of security of knowing a player like that is going to be with you for five to six years, because as much as there's a log jam right now at the end of next season, Dylan and DeMello are off the books. And then the following season, another it's basically only Josh Morrissey that's here for a long time.
4: Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, even if the same group of demon are back, I, I don't know. He's, he's my second pair left shot defenseman right yeah, now. Like I, even if Brendan Dylan comes back and everybody's there, I mean, he's proven and, I mean, he's having himself a pretty damn good World Championships too right now, which is awesome for him. But yeah, I mean, I, there's only two ways defensemen get paid in the NHL these days. It's it's either points or time on ice. I um, mean, I mean, we've seen, I I guess Ben Chirac would be a mo the most recent example of somebody that got a decently sized contract on a on a per year basis, but doesn't really contribute much to anything offensively. So I mean, th- th- those guys do get paid, but you have to be playing. 23 24 minutes a night so That'd i don't know I, I mean yeah exactly so I, I i think i think a fair to me a fair compromise is five six years in and around three and a half mil like i i think that could work for both sides and yeah man i mean if, if you're paying your second pair defenseman which i i think is kind of i don't want to say is floor necessarily but what you expect out of them that's a great deal if you're the Winnipeg Jets in that situation and you get some cost certainty there and it kind of shows as well to your young guys your prospects that you know maybe the ice time isn't always there for you right out of the gate but if you, if you come up you show well you're you're going to get paid and rewarded pretty handsomely there so i yeah i would i would hope the jets can get something done long term but depends how how much I guess Dylan Sandberg believes in his offensive game if maybe he thinks I can cash in in a much bigger clip in a year or two time.
1: Yeah, I know it's a good point. Hey, 10 seconds. Uh, we bringing the brooms out tonight, or is this series going back to Vegas?
4: Uh I think we're pretty damn close to broom time. B- broom too. time for the stars and broom time for the pretzels out there on the ice. Let's let's try to keep it clean tonight, Dallas. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, the bad
1: vibes from everything in Dallas. I think this series is over. We'll see what happens. Ruicki, have an awesome weekend hit those food trucks and uh, come back with a report for both skates and plates and WST visit next week.
4: I'll get to work. I'll get to work. Have a good weekend, man. <laughs>
1: good stuff. There is our pal, Brandon Rewiki. All right. Really looking forward to getting uh, WST fan favorite MoCon back on the show in just a second. Uh, we're going to get ready for CEBL season. Uh, but bomber season is just around the corner. First preseason game is next week. And, uh, you know where to be before the game. The Princess Auto Tailgate Zone outside IG Field presented by proud sponsors of the Bombers. Princess Auto, which is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new. Is it Princess Auto? Pop by and see them. Panet Road, Portage Avenue West locations or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Consolidated Supply. Leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and new and used golf carts as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba is ready for spring and summer. Also got other great options for your property, including making it look as great on the lawn, hot tubs, and how about some amazing outdoor kitchen options as well. Not to mention they are your leader in small engine parts and repair. Consolidated Supplies there for you and all your needs as we get into the new season. See them at their showroom. Open to the public at 1395 Nyacko Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca. You know what? Seabears jerseys just dropped yesterday. And I know very soon... We can add the bears to the lineup of Winnipeg teams that you can get outfitted at Royal Sports, Manitoba's number one sports superstore, biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring the Jets, Bombers, NHL, NFL, and tons of new Jays and Major League Baseball gear. Just in time for the start of the season. And of course, Hopefully, some hoop stuff with our new team in the CEBL. Spring stocks arriving daily soccer, baseball, softball, tennis, tons of disc golf equipment as well. If you want to get out and bang some chains, and of course, a huge selection of bikes, get down and see them 750 Pemina Highway and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, of course, a heads up on their massive tent sales coming up a little later on. And just before we bring in Mo. Looking for a spot to watch this game tonight? No better place to get together with friends for the big game than your local BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the Boston Pizza Fanalytics menu. And if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's uh, head out to Montreal. It's been too long. A fan favorite and a true fashion plate of Canadian media he comes to us today as the voice of the Alliance de Montréal in the CEBL. You know him as Mo Khan. Mo, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on the show.
0: Oh, uh, is well, Andrew. Actually, in French, is, is the Alliance de Montréal. Uh, Alliance, excuse me. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I there's a
1: lot of French folks around here. We have a big community. I Absolutely. I want to get it right. So Alliance de Montréal. Did I do well there? That's correct. Um, we are fired up about this uh, this new season and this new team. Hard to believe, I think, for a lot of people, they maybe have heard of the CEBL, but this is beginning the fifth season of this league. You've been involved for years right now. I mean, give us a perspective on how this league has grown and from Montreal, how exciting it is to see where the league is adding teams like the Winnipeg sea Bears to uh, the, uh, the the circuit this year.
0: Well, I mean, start with Winnipeg. They're now the gateway to Western Canada for those teams in the CEPL. I think Mike Morelli went at it to say, look, let's let's address Winnipeg, Calgary in particular, because those are two holes in Western Canada that was lacking uh, representation. And, you know, you move Fraser Valley to Vancouver, who you guys will play this weekend. And now you have the CEPL established in the major cities across Canada, whether it's from Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, points in between, Sask included, and Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. It's massive, and you know for the two years that I've been involved with the CEBL, I mean, here in Montreal it has been it has been huge for the league because Montreal, I think, is the only team right now that has a thousand season ticket holders as we speak going into the year, which is a huge number for the league. Uh, the arena Montreal seats about thirty five hundred. They sold out tomorrow night's game against Niagara that they'll have at home. They'll play Ottawa on the weekend. But for Mike Montreal to also get the TSN deal as a partnership as well is massive for the league's profile to kind of expand the growth. And provide basketball viewing for Canadian viewers in Canada in the summer months of May, June, and July, and hopefully August if your team gets to the final four in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, well, and and, you know, I was just checking out the league website and I I knew that there were going to be a game of the week on TSN, which would be great exposure for the league. What I didn't know is that every single game is going to be available on TSN. And, you know, as they're trying to, you know, gain new fans, expose this in new markets like here in Winnipeg, but also grow the ability to follow this league. That is a huge coup, and uh, it speaks to the work that Mike's been doing to grow this kind of organically, grassroots, and now dealing with one of the biggest players when it comes to sports media to get it out to other Canadians.
0: Oh, no question. I mean, you know, TSN Sportsnet are the two big hitters of Canada. We know that, Andrew. We worked in the media business for many years, And to get TSM to be a partner in this whole process is massive because, as you said before, they'll have one national TV game per week. You can get all the games on the TSM Plus platform or the CEBL Plus platform itself. So you have avenues to to watch the games and even listen for those who have local radio rights as well. So this thing now for the league to grow, you want to make sure these 10 teams are locked in. I think Halifax uh, down the road could be a franchise to look at because you think about it now, Andrew, right? When you look at the U Sports Final Eight, it's always held in Halifax from nine times out of ten and that's a massive basketball city when you look at the what's the what's what they produce from a talent level and from a passion level. So I think for Mike Moriali, I think he wants to make sure this is going to be established for all 10 cities and perhaps expand to team number 11 and 12 down the road to really make it a true coast-to-coast league.
1: Uh, Mo, I mean, before we get into kind of the teams and whatnot, I mean, uh, people that have not seen the belt before, which will many of them probably be going to their first game on Saturday when the Sea Bears get going, I mean, how would you describe the uh, the players, the quality of play, and maybe the style of the league?
0: So for those who are going to go watch the, the Bears in your market for the first time, uh, you're going to have really good quality basketball across the board. You have guys who play in the NBA G League, uh, high-level European basketball, U sports, NCAA. Um, and the thing is, the rule is that you have to have uh, three Canadians on the court at all times. Like a CFL ratio, right? Like three, three Canadians on the court at all times here. You have three internationals or, or two Americans, whatever race you want to go with from your international um, cover and stuff. And the thing is, what's what's cool about this league is that they have a target score at the end of each game. So for those who watched the Brampton-Ottawa game on uh, Wednesday night, which was a thriller, uh, there's a target score at the end of the fourth quarter. So once you get to the final four minutes of a basketball game in the fourth quarter, the clock goes off and there's a target score. So for example, Winnipeg's playing Vancouver. Let's say Winnipeg is up 60-50. to 50 with four minutes to go, well, now the target score is 69 points to win the ballgame. And as we saw with Brampton in Ottawa yesterday, Ottawa was down, I think, 10 points in the in the target score window, and they came back to win by one point. So that gives teams who are trailing a chance to win the ballgame. And, and Mike Morale made the point that, look, we don't want to go to a fourth quarter of a traditional ballgame where you know it's over and done with two minutes to go. We want to keep this exciting for fans to watch from the start to the finish here. So for those who will go, the unique change will be the target score that you'll see in the final four minutes of every ball game that you watch with the C Bears included.
1: That is wild, and I, I had no idea about that. So how does it work? Do they just do an announcement, this is the target score, and says right up on the thing, and now you know this is what we're playing for. you got to get to this threshold. And, I mean, if it's Brick City for a while, it could take another 10 or 15 minutes, but the game is not <laughs> over until someone yeah. gets to that number.
0: Once you get inside four minutes, the first whistle in f- inside four minutes, to make sure I clarify that, so the first whistle inside four minutes, clock is off, the PA guy will announce, he or she will announce, the target score will be this. Whoever is leading or tie game, they'll add nine points to that total of that leading score and say that is the target score for both teams to reach to win that ball game. And, you know, check it out. I, I encourage your, your, your viewers and listeners and the whole nine to go to the CBL website and check out the highlights. They have, a, they have it on Twitter as well for a highlight pack so I understand what it is. It brings a different element of strategy for for coaches and for players to say that even we might be down 20. There's still a chance to win that ballgame because the clock is off and we can make a run here as it was with Ottawa making the run against Brampton yesterday in Ottawa.
1: So we'll find out about the C-Bears, um in game number one and how Mike Taylor puts together his club. There's some great local content and Chad Posthumus, the first player, with some experience as a champion in this league for other clubs, and he's played around the world. Some great talent from both U of W and the U of M being part of it. Um, but as far as the league goes, Mo, yeah, who are the big boys? Who's the team to beat right now uh, going into the season? Or do we even know, I mean, are the rock, do the rosters change so much from year to year that, you know, the defending champion is, uh, you know, might be far behind other teams when we tip off uh, this week.
0: That's, that's the unique challenge of this league is that the roster construction changes every year because you don't keep the same core. You, you'll have three, four guys that will come back and, and basically form a core for the team uh, that carries over. But every year you have to be very meticulous in how you build up your team. So, for example, uh, the team that's been the prohibitive favorite to win is Niagara, who are playing Montreal tomorrow night. They got five returning starters, five returning players from their team last year. They, they added guys from other teams in the league uh, to make it a very deep roster. It will be fascinating to see how they do on the road in Montreal, and you know, for those who will come to Montreal that have played here last year, even though Montreal was four and sixteen last season in Verdun, which is the home the home base for their arena, uh, it was the loudest arena in the league, and they had difficulty playing in this arena. So it'll be, be unique to see how Niagara fares in the home opener tomorrow for the Lions. I think for Winnipeg, look, you mentioned Chad Possumus. he's a big man, uh, he's well regarded in the league across Canada for what he's done for the sport of basketball in Winnipeg. The Name to watch out for is Michael Okafor. Uh, he played for what was then the Hampton Honey Badgers, now Brampton. He's a high flyer. He, he's a guy that will dunk it on anybody. Uh, he's confident. Uh, he's got that bravado in him that, that will rub off on his teammates in a positive way. So that's the guy I'm watching out for, for Winnipeg. Um, if he does play with the full roster, Michael Okafor, and what he can bring to the court, and he's definitely a, a flywire out there that will make your team exciting and for fans to really gravitate towards the Bears going towards game one.
1: Who uh, is Drake involved with the, the Honey Badgers? Is that
0: right? Uh, Scarborough, Scarborough Shooting Stars. So Drake's affiliation with Scarborough is that he has uh, people who work with uh, the Scarborough team. Of course, J. Cole, the, the hip-hop artist, was with Scarborough last year. And Drake kind of got into that with J. Cole being Buddy Buddy and all that. And Drake, if you've seen his his videos and and whenever he's on Instagram or social media – he does wear Scarborough gear, right? And that's massive because it's exposure for the league. Oh yeah. And it's massive, Andrew, because look, it all it takes is one person to wear seabear gear. And everyone's gonna ask, what is that logo? Where can I find it? I want to get whatever he or she's wearing. So it's all about branding for the league. And they do a problem which they've done so up till now. I think this league can definitely grow. And I think it has great, a great chance to be an establishment for all Canadian basketball players to use as maybe a diving board to go to the towards the NBA G League. High level Europe, or maybe get an NBA contract down the road.
1: I'm just looking through the schedule here to find out when our grudge matches between the Sea Bears and <laughs> L'Alliance de Montreal. I do see that the Sea Bears are in Montreal on the third of July. Right. Uh, how does
0: the schedule work? Well, are you guys coming here at all? Or no, no. So the way it works with with the with the broadcast oh. when, you, when you watch the games, it will be the home team broadcast. So whenever you watch a Montreal Alliance home game, you will have my ugly face along with Dwight Walton uh, and Gaffa Bear on your screens watching. Uh, when you're that's, watching a hell, that's
1: a hell of a broadcast team. And just quickly, I mean, obviously we know Dwight as well. Yeah. Remo and I, before the, uh, the the game went on, we're going through the broadcast teams throughout the league. And uh, a lot of familiar faces. Rod Black's doing yeah. the games. I showed it to yeah. Christian O'Mell, who's going to be calling the games here in Winnipeg, along with Dave Crook. I mean, uh, great to see... That sort of quality broadcast, um, you know, tied in with the league, especially considering every game is available on TSN Plus.
0: It's massive when a guy of his ilk and Rod Black is involved, and I know, I know Rod. You know Rod very well, and he's a great guy overall, and he loves basketball. And for him to be part of this whole process the last couple of years is huge for the league. And, and you know, they're bringing Chuck Sworski as well for now. The Bulls' radio announcer who used to call Raptor games many, many years ago. So you know League's taking those steps here to really kind of bring in established names to kind of grow the brand. And you know, for those who will watch games, whether Winnipeg plays in Montreal or, or Brampton, you will have the home team broadcast. But I will be I will be straight down the road here when when the we had the Nordic clash of the Bears and the Adam's going at it on July third in Montreal, my friend.
1: Well, I'm just noticing that uh, then uh, Alliance comes here to the Peg right. on Friday, July 14th. So a little, uh, a little home and home action. I mean, this is great, and you know, you've seen it working, you know, within the league for the last couple of years of the just the momentum of basketball in Canada, and I think we can trace it back to the Raptors. You know, first of all, being established and you know continuing to grow. Obviously, the 2019 championship was a signature moment, I think, in basketball in our country. Um, but as the demographics of Canada have changed as well, basketball has really grown. And um, there's it really does seem like we're just on the precipice of an incredibly bright future for this league and the team here in Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, you know, look, I'll give you an example. Tom McCullough, who you know very well, Winnipeg guy. You know, when we saw him play for the Six, the Pinball the West, wizard. Yeah, like when he played for Philly in New Jersey... It was super cool. Like, like That's pretty cool. You have Tom playing getting passes from Alan Iverson whenever he would have passed the ball, which was never. But, you know, that that's the growth of where the league was 20, 30 years ago to where we are today where, where now it's almost a, a right of passes that we have one or two Canadians get drafted in the first round of the NBA draft every year. And, you know, there will be a couple of guys who will be coming up in the next couple of years for what they build up here. So this thing now for the, for the CBL, for what they want to do, as long as it becomes a diving board for these young athletes to look at this as being an option during the summer months to keep themselves in shape and also more game film to catch on with a bigger pro league uh, during the fall, winter, spring months, it's a great way. And we've seen guys in this league get G League contract tryouts and even into the NBA as well, Andrew. So this is definitely an opportunity for guys, American, international, or Canadian to have a chance to realize their NBA dreams.
1: It, it really is an interesting schedule, too. I mean, we're getting going this weekend. And, I mean, the regular season is done at the end of July. So, I mean, huge opportunity for the U Sports players that are involved in this league. And to your point, uh, a great spot for players that have been playing elsewhere to come in, stay fresh, maybe get other looks to help them continue their pro career, still with the opportunity of coming back to the CEBL in the off-seasons for these other leagues.
0: Yeah, look, and you made a great point, right, it, it, a race. 20-game schedule in a race where you have to get off to a good start. And, you know, for Winnipeg, their schedule isn't easy. I know they got Vancouver coming up, and they come out to the East Coast where they play Brampton, I think, in, in uh, Scarborough as well. Uh, so they have to really come off to a good start. You know, if they can come out of, out of the month of the first four weeks, four, one, three, and 2 I think they're in good shape. Any team that has three, four wins by the five-game mark of the season is in good shape, and it's, it's all about runs right now. Andrew, if you can put together four, five, six wins in a row, it sets up for you to get a playoff spot as well. And I think that's key in this league because if you lose three, four in a row, you're in serious trouble, and that could end your season before you get to July. So it's all about gaining those wins early, obtain that credit, that insurance policy early. And if you do that good enough here, you'll be okay going towards the end of July and hopefully playoff basketball in August.
1: Mo Kahn is with us, the uh, voice of L'Alliance de Montréal. Geez, I'm getting better at that. The more uh, the more I have you on, Mo. Um, so let's see. There's what? There's ten teams in the league right now. Uh, right. With the Sea Bears coming in this year, is there divisions? And
0: is there how does the playoff format work? Right. So up until this year, they had one division. So it was it was whatever it was. Mm-hmm. This year, we have two divisions because you want to create that geography rivalry. So, for example, in the East, you have Montreal, Ottawa, Scarborough, Brampton, Niagara the west you have vancouver edmonton calgary sask and winnipeg and and what it is is that and this and this might get complicated here right so vancouver's hosting the final four vancouver gets an automatic berth into that event because they're the host team and and that's been one of those things where you know guys are like well is that right is that wrong so that's why vancouver's probably going to load up to have a, a team that can compete for a championship this year and make a run for it and the way it works is sort of like, you know, you have your teams qualify for the playoffs, but then there's that chance to kind of become like Mortal Kombat, where if you're the fourth seed in your division, you can make it into the playoffs in the final four um, by going through the back roads or the back routes to get to that point. So the playoff format is a little bit confusing at first, but if you see it on their website. It's clearly explained. I get confused sometimes with the playoff format, but, you know, it's fairly uh, explainable how it should be and how it will be for teams that want to get into Vancouver. And of course, they always have the chapter weekend at a host city, and this year Vancouver will have that honor to do so in Langley.
1: Uh, Mo, uh, before we go, and thanks a lot for the Hoops talk. We're, uh, I mean, listen, people are really excited to see what I'm happy, man. Uh, this happy, about. The logo about. looks
0: super cool. The uniform looks super cool, by the way. Yeah, yeah.
1: you know what? They think a little bit of taste of the old Winnipeg Thunder days with the colors, and yeah. um, I'll tell you what, Winnipeg, in their first game, is going to set a new CEBL record for attendance at a That's game. Right. They've already opened up more seats than they originally planned, and I think that original plan was already a record-breaking crowd. So... Um, it's anything uh, like the way
0: capacity, Andrew, because uh, uh, I, I I know they sold out, but I know they opened up seats. But what we're, we're looking at for capacity? Well, probably.
1: I mean, listen, it's a Canada Life Center, so I mean, right. realistically, they could keep on selling tickets up into the upper bowl. Like I have a feeling the initial plan was probably in the four to five thousand range. That's amazing, um, but that's done, and they're open, so. I mean, if they sold out the entire lower bowl of the arena, and I'm not sure what sort of floor seating that there would be, yeah. um, I think we'll be talking about in the neighborhood of seven to eight thousand seats. And amazing. I mean, if that's the case, that would be uh, that would be phenomenal. Uh, listen, I think it'll be a bit of a novelty at the start, but I will say this, and and you you see it firsthand, especially in Montreal. But um, you know, while we've always been you know hockey country, and we just assume all Canadians are into hockey. Um, you know, with the growth of soccer and basketball and some of these sports that haven't been as big in Canada in the past, are that is where the growth is right now in the sports landscape of Canada. And, you know, we saw it with the, the, the Canadian Soccer League as they, you know, we continue to try to build that. This, I think, is even more perfectly situated to you know, really lay the flag in, if you will, for Canadian hoops. And I think the schedule, the way it works, the timing of the league is very, very well placed. And um, as I said, you've seen the growth over the last couple of years, and I think we're just getting started with teams like here in Winnipeg, which I, I, I'm very confident is going to be a real success this
0: year. No question. He is, Andrew. One thing that I the, the the our, our, ourça- uh-huh. did so well is to avoid going head-to-head with the ALOS or CFMTL for soccer if the seabears can avoid going head-to-head with the bombers for home games it makes it easier for winnipeg sports fans to say look i can oh, go yeah. to a bomber game on a thursday go to a seabear game on a saturday and and enjoy both and that's the key and that's where mike moreali comes into play being a former cfl player where he can kind of you know guide teams to say listen guys let's avoid those cfl dates with your teams in that in that moment here so we can get the best crowds and i'm super happy for winnipeg that they get to experience this uh, 5000 plus would be massive and, you know, that just grows the brand, and that inspires more kids in your area, Andrew, to say, look, I want to play basketball and maybe one day down the road, see Bears or play an even higher level of competition down the road.
1: Yeah, well, uh, fingers crossed on that one. And uh, as I say, David Asper, longtime, you know, bomber board member, the owner of the club, I'm pretty darn sure that he would have made sure that the schedule didn't overlap just because, you know, he's going to be at the bomber games as well. as, of course what's happening with the hoops team downtown. Hey, Mo, before we go, yeah, cannot have you on the program with getting a little bit of off season update from what uh, you're hearing on the streets around the Montreal Canadians. And, uh, how often is Pierre Luc Dubois' name mentioned these days on uh, sports talk radio in Montreal? Is that, uh, is that, is that still a big hot topic? Uh, number 80 for, as of right now, the Winnipeg
0: Jets. Is the apple of the eyes of HAB fans, the female HAB fans in this city? We we spoke about Dubois. Remember when everyone thought he'd be dealt to Montreal in two seconds and that didn't ever happen? Look, the reality is we know Pierre Luc Dubois has, has a desire to be in Montreal. We know that, right? It's a question of who's going to blink first and what happens now moving forward. Uh, I think the Habs know that this is a critical off year for their rebuild. Uh, they have to improve, and the biggest knock on them was the injury bug that destroyed their season anyway, and what to do with some of the heavy-loaded contracts. You know, Brendan Gallagher, you wonder for Kent Hughes if he's going to have that conversation with Brendan because, look, the Habs are not going to compete for a cup anytime soon, and for Brendan Gallagher, he's in the background of his career. And, and look, we lo- the city loves him for who he is as a player, but he, he's a broken-down player at this point of his career, and not say as an insult towards his style, but it is what it is with him. And I think the Habs have to figure out Joel Edmondson, what they're going to do with his contract, if they're going to offload him now or hold off till next deadline in February or late early March, whenever the trade deadline might be. So there's a lot of question marks. And they have the fifth pick, which is sort of in no-man's land, because you're not going to get the top end, you're not going to get Connor Bedard, uh, Fantilli, all those guys, but can they get something of great value? And the second first-round pick, which is Florida's pick, Many of the city thought it would be a, a lottery pick. Well, that's out the window now with where they're at in the playoff run. Thanks, as speak. Bob. Yeah, exactly. So so this is going to be a critical year. I'm not saying it's a make or break for Ken Hughes and, and Jeff Gorton, but it's a critical year because this fan base was patient for this year. But, you know, Andrew, in this city, hockey is a, is a win-all here. And I wonder how much patience they'll have this year if they continue with what they did not being great, being competitive but not great, knowing that it will be a lost year. So it would be fascinating to see what they do for moves moving forward for this team to get better with veteran leadership, with goal scorers, and also allow their young guys to develop and hopefully become the core pieces down the road.
1: Well, I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk, and it sounded like some people in the French media were trying to say, just go for it right now, trade the five pick for Dubois. I don't think that the Habs would really be interested in doing that. I'm pretty sure I think the Jets would. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I think that would be a pretty short conversation and a yes. However, the concept of trading some sort of future capital to get Dubois in now actually it makes the Habs. I mean, if you have Nick Suzuki, Pierre Luc Dubois, Kirby Doc as your top three centers down the middle, I mean, to me, that is the that's the spine of a team that. You know, will be a problem for a lot of teams in the East and can actually get back to contending for a playoff spot. And I do wonder what the appetite is to maybe speed up the process at the expense of some future assets right now because of the season that they've had and the fact they've got a number one overall pick and Slavskowski presumably yeah. ready to play next year. The Montreal Canadiens along with the Winnipeg Jets one of the more interesting teams with a lot of options as we get to Nashville at the end of
0: next month. Yeah, the fascination will be that draft, what they do with that fifth pick and- and people are were praying, like, people knew in Montreal, like, there's a chance for Bernard, it wasn't going to happen, that if they get Fantilli, be massive. You know, Will Smith would be huge, uh, and, and even Carlson for that matter. But I think now with that fifth pick, you know, Michkoff, do you want to take him? If Ken Hughes takes Michkoff with that fifth pick, it shows it as a sign that he's comfortable in his position, that he knows he's there for a while and can wait for Michkoff to finally show up whenever he does, if he ends up being a Montreal Canadian. But I think now moving ahead, the Carey Price situation will be sorted out uh, eventually with what he's going to do. We all, we all know he's going to retire. But, you know, you're going to the training camp with Jake Allen perhaps as number two, Bo is your number one guy. Are you comfortable with that goaltending duo? Kaden Primo has not really, really lived up to expectations. The backcourt is potential, right? And the guy that they're praying for, he probably won't come this year, but will be there next fall 2024, Lane Hudson, who had a monster year in the NCAAs this season. And they have high hopes that he could become. I'm not saying he's going to become uh, McCarr here, but he has those type of tangibles that can make you get off your seat and be like, "Oh my God, this guy is really good as a, as a as a smooth skating defenseman moving forward."
1: Okay, I have to ask you this because this yeah. is a scenario that has been quite delightful just to to kind of talk about here. But if Montreal feels that they can get Dubois anyways in a year as a free agent, and don't feel the pressure to make a move. The Jets feel that they do need to make a move. How would it go over if Dubois was ended up being traded to the Boston Bruins, who are going to have a couple of big holes at center? He likes it, signs long term, and then is a pain in the Habs' ass for the next eight years as a Bruin.
0: Uh that would uh that would literally put a, a heart. To shreds, like you remember Ralph Wiggum in the Simpsons episode when he professes his love to Lisa Simpson. I love Lisa Simpson, and then Bryce like look at it. Ralph Wiggum's heart, literally crushed to smithereens. Right, that's what would happen in Montreal if Dubois went to the Boston Bruins. And and you're right, Boston could be in play for him, right? With what they're going to have to do with their overhaul of veterans who might move on or retire, or whatever it is. But I just think for Ken Hughes, and, and they're giving him the time, Andrew. That they're, they're being patient with them, and so far things have worked out right. The Kirby Doc deal worked out fairly well. Monaghan deal did not work out well because he couldn't flip him for a number one pick. Uh, that was the that was the plan, but never worked out in that situation. And Mike Matheson, that was a huge deal where they got off mm-hmm. Jeff Petrie's deal and got Mike Matheson in play. And, and he, even though he only played half the year because of injuries, he was phenomenal and and really helped the back line uh, evolve. So I think for Ken Hughes, can he do the same masterstroke and make off the pull off those trades that could kind of uh, bamboozle the other team and taking you know whatever it is on their hands? for better talent that might not be of high value. So I think right now for Ken Hughes and for Jeff Gordon, next month will be critical for them. The draft board will be huge, and who will they sign in free agency to kind of help this team stay afloat Mm -hmm. and be much more competitive than what they were last season?
1: Well, yeah, and the free agency, uh, you know, as we've kind of gone over the last few days, not a uh, quality free agent class, which maybe is a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets with some players that they might be needing to sending out as far as uh, when it comes to trade back. But yes, think about that. All-time great French center in Patrice Bergeron, replaced by Pierre-Luc Dubois in brown and gold that would be, uh, if, if Montreal doesn't want to play nice with the Jets, that would be the perfect scenario going forward in and around the draft. Yeah.
0: It would be a <laughs> you by the Bruins towards the Habs and even <laughs> the Jets, right? I mean, to say, Hey, we, you had a chance, but you said no towards Pierre Le Dubois.
1: Hey, they would have loved to have had the chance to sign him. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So uh, be a interesting few weeks around the national hockey league. First things first though, all yeah. the best to uh, you. you on the call with, uh, with the new, with the team in Montreal. Cannot wait to get going with some C E B L. And this was so much fun, Mo. We're gonna to have to have you back in the next few weeks to uh, talk a little more hoops now that we got a seat at the table here at the C E B L.
0: Absolutely. Before I go, this is what this is the prep work that I do for a CBL game right here. <laughs> so this is what I do for a CBL game. Uh, and so this is what I, this is literally what it is here. So so there is so much information to be had, and I want to make sure that for both teams, they're well informed for the viewers to say, look. I come away knowing that this player played where and did this and did this. So I always take this seriously and call it down straight down the middle here. So I can't wait to call tomorrow when, when Niagara comes to Montreal and when Winnipeg comes July 3rd, I can't wait for that game. The Nordic battle between the Bears and the Alliance is going to be massive for this. i tell you
1: what, man, we'll uh, hopefully if you've got some time outside of all that extensive prep for these games to uh, jump on with us, we'd certainly Absolutely. love to do it. And of course, talk some CFL with you as well. Mo, have a great weekend and a great call you in too, game man. number one. And, uh, Watch out for the Winnipeg
0: Bears. Can't wait, Bell, I can't wait. and look forward to conversing down the road, my friend. Take care. <laughs>
1: Take it easy. There's our bud, Mo Con. You can follow him on Twitter at MoCon19. And check out TSN Plus for all the broadcasts of the CEBL. Mo will be on the mic for all of the Montreal games. All right. Got to get Remo in here and get to uh, tonight's game. Uh, we can tell you that things did not go well in the matinee today for the Winnipeg Goldeyes, Kane County. Won today by a score of 3-2. to two. Um, So a night off for the Gold Eyes, but back in action tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. when the Sioux Falls, Falls Canaries come to town for a three-game series. You can get tickets at goldeyes.com. And uh, make sure to get there early, take a couple laps around the ballpark, get something to eat, and uh, while you're there... You can also grab one of the new Little Brown Jug brews, the Generic Lager. Had one at the uh, game last Friday for the home opener. Uh, it was great. Of course, the 1919 available as well. And a little later on, our friends at Little Brown Jug will also be featured in Craft Beer Corner. A busy week for, <clears throat> weekend for Little Brown Jug because, of course, The patio is rolling right now. If you haven't checked it out down on William Avenue, you got to get there, especially with this beautiful weather. And as windy as it's going to be, it is somewhat sheltered, so it might be a great place to go for some patio beers on the weekend. And as we mentioned, if you're out at Food Truck Wars at Assiniboia Downs on the weekend, Little Brown Jug sponsoring the beer garden there as well. So uh, lots of great options to get your LBJ on this weekend. Uh, As far as golf goes... They're at the Charles Schwab Challenge right now at Colonial Golf Club down in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, I'm not familiar with Harry Hall, but maybe I should be because he went eight under today for a 62, a four-shot lead over Hollywood Hoagie, Fargo's own Tom Hoagie, Adam Shankin, Byung-Han Ahn, Sam Burns defending champ Scotty Scheffler. Amongst players in at three under par. Of course, our golf reports are brought to you by Breezy Bend Country Club. If you're thinking about a great long term home for you and your family on a golf course with a great social scene, men's, ladies, and junior programs, Breezy's the spot. Waiting list is in effect for next season. If you'd like to find out more, get on that. Talk to our pal Corey Johnson at Breezy Bend or find out more online at breezybend.ca. And of course, It won't be long before we're putting lines in the water. Well, fishing season is on. Fishing season for me is when uh, we get a chance to get out to paradise in Manitoba. And that, of course, is Aikens Lake. There is nothing like the Aikens experience where you can be on the water fishing world-class, a world-class lake with amazing guides and more in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And as great as the fishing is... The only thing better is the hospitality from the Terran family and the entire Akins team. Find out more online at akenslake.com or hit pit Terran up on Twitter at Akens Lake and find out about limited availability for the rest of this season or get planning a trip for next year. All right, let's get Remo back in here and, uh, Reem, I don't know about you, but, uh, listen, Mo's one of our favorites. Everybody knows that he's been so kind to join us talking bombers, Alouettes and hockey, what's happening with the Habs throughout. But, uh, I am really fired up for this poops game and this season for the C Bears. after
2: talking to Mo. Yeah, we've been counting down. They did the big jersey reveal uh, yesterday. I love love the colors, looking good. And it's going to be a pack crowd at Canada Life Center Saturday. So I'm excited to see how this goes, how the team looks. And, you know, nice to have another team possibly competing uh, for a title here. So big, you know, I don't know what the, I actually don't know what to expect. It's an expansion team, but. Uh, this is exciting to have another team hear us. Chad Posthumus will be
1: the uh, the big guy that everyone knows. Apparently, though, we have a guy, and I'll, we'll have a full report on this after we see the first game on Saturday, on Monday's edition. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the guy to watch is, um, is a guy named Teddy Buckets on the, <laughs> on the team. And if that is not one of the great, great nicknames uh, that you could have, and a nickname like Teddy just goes so well with something like buckets. So uh anyway, Saturday night. If you don't have tickets yet, there he is. Teddy Allen, aka Teddy Buckets from uh from Phoenix, Arizona. And there it is, Instagram, Teddy.buckets. We're gonna have to maybe give him a uh, give I'll him follow, a follow. I'll follow from the WST. Yeah. I'm on and it. And wish him luck for the upcoming uh, the upcoming year. I'm not sure if we're gonna have Cool Bet Lions for the season for the C E B L. No, but I'll see bears' win totals. I'll talk to. uh, I'll I'll talk to. uh, They've got leagues from pretty much all around the world, so we'll fire up the uh, the line to Coolbet HQ and see if we can get some CEBL games uh, listed. One thing I do know that's on tonight is Game Five between the Heat and the Celtics. Speaking of basketball. The Celtics avoiding a sweep of the win in Miami in game number four. And now back at home, eight and a half point favorites and minus 323 on the money line. Listen, the Heat have been right in these games, especially they won both games in Boston. I think that's a big, big line. I'm still going to probably jump on the underdog with the points. But I think that Boston wins this game and gets it back for a game six in Miami that could, in fact, turn into... Basically, game seven for the home team ream. You'd have to think that if Boston can rattle off three in a row and get game seven back in their barn, they could be
2: the team to finally come back from a three nothing deficit in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, never happened in the NBA. Uh, I think Boston fans having memories of what the Red Sox who came back on the Yankees. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. You know, some one of these conference final series in the NBA or the NHL has to go like at least a decent amount of games. You can't have all sweeps. Uh, so I know we had th- uh, sweeps in three of them of the four series in both leagues, but uh, credit to who? Boston putting uh, putting the heat here on, on blast. As they, well,
1: you know. here's the question. Let's get over to the hockey game tonight uh, because I locked this in for our daily pick and did the lock shop earlier today. Vegas was pl- plus money was plus one Oh two. I see this line has dropped a little bit in favor of the golden Knights and now the Stars are just the slightest of favorites at minus 111, and Vegas is at minus 105. Uh, I think this one's over. Now, that being said, I'm on a ve- I'm ice cold right now, so maybe this is fade material, and everyone should race to the book and bet the Dallas Stars. But I'm on Vegas tonight, Remo.
2: I think they get it done. I think it's over. No Jamie ben. Uh Dallas uh, doesn't seem to have a Jake Gautinger not bringing his A game. Maybe he does tonight, but... Uh, I think Vegas takes it, and then we got a nice what, week off here until the Cup Final, June 3, Saturday, is when it's scheduled to start, so we can sit here and look ahead to the draft or speculate about the Leafs GM or coach vacancies <laughs> or whatever's going on with the Jets. Uh, it'll be, and Bombers as well, Bombers, Seabers, there's going to be a lot going on, but for the NHL, we'd have a week off here.
1: Now, listen, I, I think both leagues could potentially have a week off. Um, I did put together a ride with Huss exclusive if you want to jump on. Uh, and again, I wouldn't normally do this, but I feel pretty good about this game tonight. I think Vegas wins. Jonathan so to get three or more shots on goal in the game. And Jack Eichel, the finisher, if you will, to score tonight. Eichel's plus 180 just on a straight goal prop is so to get four shots or more is plus one twenty. So I took that down to just three. We've got an Eichel goal, Golden Knights to win. That is up right now at plus six hundred. So uh, if you would like to ride, get in there. It's all up over at CoolBet.com. Uh, you're riding with the Knights tonight,
2: Reem. I am. It's kind of funny. You know, we talked uh, yesterday about how Jonathan. What a story. You know, looking ahead to storylines, uh, Jonathan or so you have picked here on this prop. Three plus shots. How him and Riley Smith were on the Panthers, and Greg Wachinski <laughs> was asking March So about that. He said he thought he was going to be protected, but the Panthers opting to protect four D, which included Alex Petrovic and Mark Pissick, so they only protect were able to protect four forwards, and basically, you know, they gave away March or so. and then and Riley Smith's contract because they wanted to unload it, and those guys have you know played pretty much. I think they played every playoff game. <laughs> For the Golden Knights since, huge contributors. So uh, just looking ahead to storylines, possible storylines in the Cup Final that we'll have a week to talk about if Vegas wins tonight.
1: You bet. Uh, Tomorrow on the show, I think we'll have a a visit from Billick. Uh, Kenny Weeb will jump on with us and hoping to get Kirby Shep for – uh, last visit. He's going to be heading out uh, overseas, working with Canada basketball for the next month. Uh, but he certainly knows a number of the players that'll be suiting up for the Sea Bears. And just as someone that's so important in our basketball community, really looking forward to hoping getting his uh, perspective on what this new team's means to uh, basketball in Manitoba, but also to the U Sports teams. Which will uh, have some players on this squad when things get going on Saturday down at Canada Life Center. So, uh, and of course, Marbles as
2: well. Don't miss Marbles on a Friday here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Before we go, and um, some people are asking us, there isn't, people are asking us, like, how can U Sports players play in the CEV? There is an agreement uh, that does allow that. But so I don't know if you're following the world championships, but uh, Canada advancing to the semifinal beating Finland. We do have an upset alert. Listen to this. One of the biggest wins for their country in history, Latvia over Sweden. Get out. Yes. So it'll be Canada against Latvia in the semifinal, and USA will take on Germany, who beat Switzerland earlier today. So huge upset, 3-1 Latvia over Sweden. So it's Canada, Latvia, and USA, Germany? Did I hear that right? That's correct.
1: Wow. Yes. I'll tell you what. The one thing I know, and I mean, this event was hosted in Finland and Latvia. Correct. So I would imagine the Finns and the Latvians were probably playing home games in that. Uh, I'm going to be spending the next hour trying to find social media videos of the party in Latvia. Because if you have talked to anyone that has spent time in Europe for the World Championships, the one thing that you can guarantee is is that the Latvian fans are going to be flooring it from start until finish of the entire tournament. They have the rep as the most fun party crew in all of international hockey, and for them to have a win like that, are, that probably is the biggest win. I mean, Maybe I shouldn't say that right off the bat. I'm sure there's another one maybe they have. But, I mean, a home win to get to the semifinals of the World Championships... What a day for Latvian hockey, and uh, obviously a very disappointing day for Finnish hockey, losing to the Canadians, who seem to be sort of getting it together after a
2: slower start to the tourney. Yeah, shout-out to Latvian <clears> goalie <throat> Arturs Silovs, has 40 saves on 41 shots. Uh, Krister Guzlevskis was the backup. You might remember him from the yes. 2014 Olympics, where he had that huge game against Canada, just looking through the Latvian team. Shout out to former NHLers, Casper's Dogovins and Rudolph's Balsers. Oh, Rudy Balsers. I I love um the flashback names uh in this, you know, whether it's the Spangler Cup or uh, the Worlds. Uh nice to go down memory lane. I hadn't thought about Casper's Dogovins for a long time. So I was pumped to see him. him on there. And yeah, Canada, they're finding their stride here. I think the team to beat us has got to be Team USA, led by Dylan Samberg, as their number one D. what they've, They're 8-0. Eight goals against us. So watch out for Team USA. Is the net
1: for the States?
2: That is a good question. Not Connor Hellebuck. I've I got to be honest. like the, the worlds are on when we're doing the show. I haven't paid too close. As Casey, Casey DeSmith was the goaltender okay. today. And Cal Peterson was the backup. I mean... I mean pretty light workload for DeSmith against uh, who was who they played today uh, Czech Republic who had Vimelka in that DeSmith only had to make 15 save shutout
1: oh Vimelka, I was listening to um <clears throat> I was listening to uh, American Friedman and I'm yeah. sure if SK's still here he'll get going uh, on this but uh, a potential That, you know, Lawson Kraus and Clayton Keller, you know, kind of want to find out what's happening with the future of the club. I mean, they're under contract. I'm not entirely sure what they can do. But they do have some hot shot young goalie that they think is sort of the goalie of the future. And if that's the case, maybe Vimelka would be available. And I will say this. If Connor Hellebuck is traded, Carl Vimelka would be the one guy in the National Hockey League that would come here and I think fans would be incredibly excited as to the prospect of him being the next guy here in Winnipeg, just considering how amazing he's played against the Winnipeg Jets when people have actually paid attention to the to the Coyotes.
2: Yeah, like when we he, mentioned Vimelka, Like people get really excited about him. I'm not sure why. Like I think he's just played well against the Jets and the Leafs, which helps. But I think overall, his body of work... I think he's like fine, but I don't know if he's like all star goalie or anything. We'll have to know, what is gonna be interesting has who if the Jets do choose whatever they choose with Connor Hellebuck and he's not the goalie. How that goalie plays, because we know Connor Hellebuck has had like the biggest workload over oh yeah the last several seasons. Like how do you replace him? And is the replacement gonna be up to the task of facing all those high danger chances? Because we know Hellebeck has faced so many. Over the last bit, so they're, they don't have a direct replacement in the pipeline. So that is that is one storyline we're following this off season uh, for the Jets.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically you're talking about getting two new goalies in. Um, you know, whether they think that Big safe Dave would be able to take care of a more responsibility and play more, and re-sign him along with another guy. Um, <laughs> it's safe to say that if uh, the Winnipeg Jets trade Connor Hellebuck, it leaves. A massive, massive hole in the lineup that uh, could take it could take a long time to replace, and I'm not sure you ever adequately replace it. And we're seeing right now with what Bob's doing in Florida, just how important goaltending is in the National Hockey League, especially the Stanley Cup playoffs.
2: Yeah, one other uh Winnipeg Jets offseason note, Hus. This was the big Jets story of the week. Congratulations to Nate Schmidt, Hus. Yes. Came a father. Uh, the Jets tweeting out the picture. N- nice, fresh hospital picture here. Congratulations to Nate and Allie on the safe arrival of Harvey Schmidt. There he is there. Look at that. The Harv. And uh, Nate Schmidt was f- spotted on what on Twitter. Some running group, I think, in a cinnamon park ran into him, uh, a bunch of kids, and got their picture with him. Uh, I think you retweeted that, Huss. So I'll have to bring yep. that up.
1: Yeah, so, that was cool. Um, a, uh, And I'm not sure. I think he actually came out for an event and did a little run with them or something like that. I'm not sure whether they just sort oh, of bumped I, into him and maybe did that. But, uh, but anyways, cruel to see uh, Nate do that in the community. And uh, obviously a big congratulations to uh, he and his wife on uh,
2: the uh, addition of young Harvey to the family. Good timing, um, Huss, having a kid in the off season. That's hey, that's you a smart know move. Really intelligent. That
1: absolutely is. That's a that's a professional right there. Yeah.
2: He, so let's yeah. see if
1: this is the middle of May. So June, July, August. So end of summer. That's when you got to make it happen, pros, and then you'll come in. Although I guess that the team was in the playoffs. Oh yeah, here it is, sprinting into starstruck. Is that what it says?
2: Well, yeah, it says, I guess, I don't know. I guess they got started. They're sprinting and then became starstruck. I don't know. I gotcha. And then he says, loved it. Great to meet. You. But here's Nate Schmidt with some, uh, some kids there. Yeah, for a run.
1: Good looking crew. Young runners out at the park. And uh, obviously making their day to meet Nate Schmidt. And I'll tell you what, if you could meet any, never mind jet player, NHL player, Uh, if you're a bunch of kids, I don't think you could do much better than bumping into Nate Schmidt with the personality that he brings. And uh, I'm sure it was a great moment for all of them, but yes, congratulations to the family on uh, that. All right, let's get these pods up and uh, see what happens tonight. Will we be officially talking about a Vegas, Florida matchup in the Stanley cup final? We'll find out tomorrow, but I have a feeling we will be Uh, obviously the latest on uh, bomber training camp and Sea Bears opening night on Saturday so uh, don't miss it Marbles tomorrow as well thanks so much for being with us thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day and folks if you can tell a friend about WST how they can join the crew with us live on YouTube and chat or where to find us on podcasts hit that thumbs up by the way if you can and make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel have a great night enjoy the weather and we'll see you tomorrow for a Friday Marbles edition of WST
0: oh my god
1: Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks
0: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.